I'm Kyle. I'm Nick. And I'm Trevor. And welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. If you aren't familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a film analysis podcast wherein we introduce each other to films, expand our cinematic horizons, and, in essence, catch up on our cinema. So, it is the month of April 2021, and we are in the midst of our Action April event month. Uh, Last week, we covered an action classic from 1985, directed by George P. Cosmatos, starring Sylvester Stallone, uh, Rambo uh, First Blood Part 2. This week, however, uh, we'll be taking a look at the um, one of an earlier entries in the filmographies of, I guess, what you would call the the king of the mountain in terms of uh, traditional action movie stardom, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, without a uh, doubt. We'll be ta- yeah, without a doubt. Uh, we'll be taking a look at his 1985 film, Commando, uh, as directed by Mark L. Lester. Uh, and in case you didn't notice during the intro there, uh, we had an extra voice in there. Uh, that would be Nick. Uh, who is of relations to Kyle. He is his brother, uh, and he joined us last time on the show for Mortal Kombat Annihilation. But uh, how's it going, Nick? Hey, everything's good so far. Glad to be back. Appreciate the uh, invite. Yeah, of course. Always glad to have you. Uh, We had a blast talking with you about Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Hopefully we can uh, have you back uh, for the the new Mortal Kombat, which will be dropping sometime later this month. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I guess before... uh, before we get to the movie proper, I, I think it would be appropriate to just say a little something about our, our individual relationships to the star of this film, uh, and I guess the star of the entire week of Action April, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, so, Nick, being as you're the guest, uh, you want to let us know, what what does Arnold Schwarzenegger mean to you? Like, was he a big influence in your early life? Uh, do you Are you familiar with his filmography? Yeah, I would say I'm pretty familiar. I'm sure there's a couple of obscure ones that I haven't seen. Um, But yeah, we we grew up with Arnold, so I think, I mean, I don't know why. I don't know what it is about him, but love his movies. Even the awful, was it Batman? Is it Batman Forever or Batman and Robin? Whichever one where he's Mr. Freeze. Oh my gosh, that movie's terrible. But I can't help but love it because, I mean, it's Arnold. So, I mean, we grew up with Terminator. Um, wow, that's really sad that I can't remember anything else. Conan. We watched Conan way too young. Uh, yeah. We watched I mean, Terminator 2 way too young. <laughs> all, all of it way too young. But, I mean, the list goes on and on. Um, yeah, absolutely. Big influence in our early childhood lives. <laughs> Do you not kill the dinosaurs? Nice <laughs> <Christ laughs> age! <laughs> Uh, so Kyle, how about you? I mean, we've we we have talked about Arnold before on the show. We talked about Terminator Two: Judgment Day, which of mm-hmm. course is often regarded as one of his very best and one of the very best action films of all time. But um, you have any other stuff you think you'd like to shed light on uh, regarding your relationship with Arnold Schwarzenegger? Uh, no, we like like Nick said, we we grew up Arnold, like we were an Arnold household like we didn't really watch Steven Seagal we didn't watch Rambo like uh I saw Rambo 2 and like when we were little kids and like we never watched any other Sylvester Stallone movies like he just was not we just never had it uh same with Van, uh Jean-Claude Van Damme he just wasn't in the house so yeah Arnold was the was the number one guy also he was the biggest so he kind of just won on that alone um, <laughs> but yeah Conan Conan the Barbarian I was thinking about it I'm like that might be uh, aside from Terminator, like that's probably my favorite Arnold movie from the '80s that I've seen. 
Yeah, I, I mean, that's a fair assessment. I, I actually have a very, very soft spot for the first Conan. Conan the Destroyer, I actually defend it on some levels, but it is a big step down. Yeah. Um, I, I think the production itself was very confused because it's labeled PG, but if you look at some of the shit that happens in that movie, it is not a PG film. No. I remember that last fight with Dagon and the Destroyer, and I'm like, this is this is pretty hardcore. For, for child. <laughs> it's pretty brutal. Yeah. No, and even him and Wilt Chamberlain going at it at the end there. There's some oh, ear biting yeah. in that fight. Like they bloody the fuck out of each other, and like, and you know, Grace Jones's ass is oh, kind yeah. of exposed the entire film. <laughs> Apparently, she yeah. was the most dangerous person on that set. Um, yeah, they gave her a staff that actually had some weight, some heft to it, and she did not care what she did with it. <laughs> she just like wh- whipped it around, and any stuntmen that had to deal with her just had to take their licks and smile about it. <laughs> Last thing I'm gonna say, uh, actually, you. <laughs> no, go ahead, Nick. I was gonna say my favorite scene in that movie is the the fireplace where uh, Conan's drunk. I, I love that scene so very much. No, that that's a wonderful scene. Um, that that was like a you know, an early indication of of his actual charisma and acting ability, where that's something that a lot of traditional action movie stars struggled with. Is like they they fit into a very specific niche and beyond that they were just completely worthless. But like Arnold, there's a reason he, you know, was a champion bodybuilder for many, many years. There's a reason he was a movie star on top of just being an action movie star. And there's a reason he even got into politics. It's because he had a lot more to offer than your your average muscle-bound goon. Um, but Kyle, you actually answered a question that I, I was going to bring up, so I guess that saves us some time here on the recording. I was going to ask if either of you uh, had any exposure to Sylvester Stallone, being as you weren't here for the, the Rambo 2 episode, but it sounds like I, you guys were a Schwarzenegger household <laughs> growing up. Yeah, I did see the Rambo 2008, uh, which is crazy violent. I think that was the first Sylvester Stallone movie I watched all the way through. And then I watched First Blood, like the very first Rambo movie. Uh, a few years ago, I was like, eh, it's, it's okay. Uh, Rambo 2 was fun. It was actually fun uh, watching it when he's going through the the actual like camp. I thought that was kind of fun. Uh, but I definitely remember seeing his camp. Like, I remember the quarry, him doing, like, hard labor. And I remember, I'm like, this this Asian lady's going to die. Like, I, I remember she she dies. So it was kind of weird seeing it because I'm like, I haven't seen this since I was, like, four or five. Like, I was really little when I saw it. Yeah, and that's unfortunately one of those movies that I, I mentioned it on the episode. My wires get crossed a little bit in remembering it because it was so perfectly parodied in, in two comedy classics, if you ask me anyway. Like, these aren't comedy classics by everyone's standard, but for me personally, uh, UHF, the Weird Al Yankovic movie, I, I really like that movie quite a bit. Um, I hope it I hope it still has an audience. And then, of course, uh, Hot Shots Part Deux um, basically is a redo of the plot of Rambo 2 and 3 and even has Richard Crenna from the Rambo movies in it doing some of the best acting I think I've ever seen him do, uh, surprisingly enough, as a comedic actor. Um but yeah, for me personally, um, Arnold Schwarzenegger, I think the first movie is his I actually saw front to back was Terminator 2, much like probably everyone in this room, I, I would imagine. Um, that, that was kind of the big one. Um, uh, but more than that, like that, I saw that fairly young. I think I was like 10, maybe 9. Um, 
and it was a big deal for me because it was like the first r-rated movie i ever got to see um but in that same stretch of time in my life arnold was he was omnipresent like he he was more than a movie star like i remember he was doing the presidential fitness campaign with bush senior and you know there were commercials of him all the time running around in his 90s sweatpants uh, with all you know the husky kids up front and stuff and, and like trying to encourage everybody to to you know run the mile in under a half an hour or whatever yeah. <laughs> um, do it yeah, work out <laughs> <laughs> if it jiggles it's fat <laughs> but what i'm getting at here is that he was he was an icon he he was already such an icon by the early 90s that it didn't matter if you saw his movies or not you knew you knew that stupid gap in his teeth you knew that utterly foreign austrian accent which you know austria is a country with history unto itself but you know as a dumb american exposure to that is really rare so it's like who else in american cinema sounds like that so the man's voice not even his physical presence which of course is one of his biggest selling points and what got him into hollywood just his voice alone is utterly unique in in the hollywood landscape but um he was everywhere everybody knew who he was everybody wanted to have something to do with him so uh i didn't really get into exploring his filmography until a little bit later uh funny enough after that uh, aliens also a james cameron movie would be the next r-rated movie i saw as well as uh, under siege 2 which is a Steven Seagal film uh, and is of a considerably lower caliber than a lot of the action movies we'll be talking about this month. Um, but sometime after that, I, I really got to thoroughly exploring uh, Arnold's filmography. And now he he really is one. He is the best uh, when it comes to your traditional action cinema films. Uh, he really is the guy, um, which, you know, funny enough, we're going to be talking about a movie that is probably on the second tier i guess of his filmography this is not like a top tier arnold movie but a big part of the reason why i wanted to do this was well actually i felt like a little bit of a heel because uh kyle has expressed interest in doing an episode on conan the barbarian for quite some time now and we absolutely will do that um but when i was thinking about the programming uh for action april i was like conan's conan's not quite an action film like it has action for sure but it's it's a different thing altogether so when i was thinking about like what i think of when i think of like traditional like 80s action schlock i was like well among arnold's films it's got to be commando because <laughs> it's not his best but the way i've always described this movie is it's basically the arnold schwarzenegger movie that represents the the vision of what people who aren't familiar with his filmography assume his movies to be Mm-hmm. Um, because his characterization in this, he is he is a superhero. Like the things that he does in this movie are utterly ridiculous. The whole movie is ridiculous, and thankfully it knows it, and that's probably its biggest strength is that it it knows it's a very silly production, even though it's filled with a lot of a lot of dead bodies. In fact, I think Nick counted them at one point. <laughs> and it's funny you mentioned superpowers. <laughs> I actually listed his superpowers in the movie <laughs> as they went down. I'm like, okay, all right. He's immune to this. He's got Hulk strength. Got it. Okay. I actually wrote those down. Uh, yeah. he, I think he's a ghost because he can't get shot at point-blank range. Uh, it's yeah. pretty incredible. I mean, he uh, has quite a few. I think Last Action Hero might be based on this character. Like, 
all the the joking that's happening and like it's supposed to be his uh his filmography as a whole but i'm like i think this is kind of that the movie that it's poking at yeah uh very very similar like jack slater some of the tropes that they go over in that movie about like using a handgun and just aimlessly firing in the general direction of a vehicle and then it's like why didn't it explode like you would expect John Matrix, you know, any any gun. In fact, there's a scene where he's unloading an Uzi at a Jeep. And the whole time, <laughs> yeah. like, why hasn't it exploded yet? <laughs> like, 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 this is ridiculous. He's been shooting at it for a good solid 10 seconds. It should have exploded five seconds ago. <laughs> I'm just looking at his filmography. Like, he's got, it just kind of like, oh, that's a good one. Oh, that's a good one. It's like every third movie is good. Yeah, I I want to say that was strategic on his part because Arnold is Arnold is a very clever clever human being. Um, his his management of his own career trajectory is truly remarkable stuff. Um, like if you if you want a, a roadmap to success, like maybe maybe look into Arnold because <laughs> I want to say a lot of that had to do with him signing contracts or deals with studios. And then finding exactly the right time to walk away and move on to the next. Because he's worked with so many of the biggest producers in Hollywood, so many of the biggest studios. But like you said, there's a rhythm to it where it's like just when it seems like things are going bad for him, he, he has a huge hit. And a lot of times it came with like the signing of a new contract with like a new studio or something. And uh, there are some big names attached to the production of this film in particular. Like uh, Joel Silver is the producer who... Uh, as far as I understand, is like a non-entity in Hollywood now, like as of just a couple of years ago. Um, but this this man gave us, you know, the Lethal Weapon films, the Matrix films, this film. Like he was he was a king of of blockbuster cinema for a f- several decades. And in fact, uh, uh, Les Grossman from uh, Tropic Thunder is basically based off of him. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. No. He. If you've ever seen him, like if you've ever seen Joel Silver, like in real life. He really is kind of like that. Uh, he's famous for having a really hot temper and being uh, very, very, very energetic. <laughs> um, but in addition to that, uh, Jeff Loeb, uh, who is a prolific comic book writer, was involved in the writing of the script for this. But um, we also have Stephen E. D'Souza uh, serving as writer for this film. And curiously enough, uh, he's not a stranger to the show. Uh, we've talked about him a couple of times on Catching Up on Cinema now. Uh, he directed Street Fighter the movie, mm. uh, and he also wrote Die Hard. Uh, so right there, you have some f- really well-credentialed writers there backing your dumb comic book Commando movie <laughs> that is literally <laughs> just called Commando. <laughs> Pretty crazy that he has those two things on his resume. He's like, "What you? Okay, you directed Street Fighter, but you wrote <laughs> Die Hard." <laughs> <laughs> well. I mean, as far as I know, he hasn't directed many things, if if not just the one thing. Uh, so it stands to reason that he mostly just did Street Fighter because the opportunity well, presented itself. You, you know what? God bless him. He was trying to he was trying to wrangle a coke addicted Jean Claude Van Damme <laughs> and uh, a dying dying Raul Julia. So I mean, good for him. <laughs> yeah, that, that's quite the monumental. Task. It's actually incredible that that's what we got. <laughs> was Honestly, that, so. like like I, I I said it on a different recording that. Um, there are some movies that you couldn't even consider a movie. Street Fighter, despite all that, is at least a movie. And it it's not even movie? that bad of a movie. It's not it horrible. Is it's a fun movie. It is, it, <laughs> it, it's a fun movie. Not good. <laughs> not good. <laughs> that was very Seinfeldian. <laughs> um, 
But uh, you, you guys think you're ready to get into the movie proper? Yeah. Because uh, honestly, I, I feel bad saying this, but the director, Mark L. Lester, um, the only thing I can really say about him is that he didn't really take off in the way that a lot of uh, other Arnold directors had. Um, his, his career seems to never got never really got beyond Commando. He never got beyond Thunderdome in his career, um, but he did. He did this movie, and if you ask me, this is a damn fine action movie. But only if you treat it with like kid gloves in the form of action movie standards. Um, but that being said, I guess we should get to the movie proper. So, Kyle, uh, would you like to attempt to give us a plot summary for this very straightforward <laughs> film? <laughs> yeah, a Do cartoon it. character ex spy. Uh, <laughs> Has his daughter stolen by a vaguely Hispanic Dan Hedaya and some dude who has a crush on him. And uh, they are trying to leverage him to assassinate the president of a fictional country, uh, which he does not do. uh, And he gets his daughter back. We'll we'll put it at that. Uh, well, well said. <laughs> a little meandering, I, but you because got, yeah. I, I was like, I can't explain. I can't explain the beginning part because it, I was watching the end of this movie. And I'm like, wait, what the fuck? He got off the plane to the country they were sending him to, but the people that took the boat got there faster than the plane. So I, I just didn't understand the the time. Like, why didn't they just put him on the fucking boat if he would have gotten there faster? It didn't make any I, sense to me. I think the misunderstanding is that the the location where all the people die at the end of the movie is different from where they were sending him on the plane. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, the yeah. the island where all the people die, where where he kills the island, the island he kills, to, <laughs> the, the island that he kills to death, death island, uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> um, is apparently not too far off the coast of. It's irres- <laughs> it's irresponsible. Like, it's it's bad. <laughs> Uh, the end of this is Bad Boys too, by the way. Like it's, very much so. It's yeah, pretty much yeah. just Bad Boys yeah. too. Yeah, uh, it's just unilateral action on the part of uh, a couple of angry Americans with lots of guns. In What's... this case, just one angry American. Pew with pew. Lots of guns. <laughs> we we can't even talk about. I, can we wait to talk about the score? Can we just let it simmer for a little bit? Oh, I mean, I don't know. Nick's like rocking in his seat. <laughs> The anticipation yeah. is building. Well, can we just like get a little bit into the movie and then ex- sure, explain sure. explain the score? Because the score, I think, is gonna. It's like it's a huge, huge part of this film. And Trevor, yes, I did notice the score in this. But I, I don't know how you, <laughs> you can't not, not. The score. <laughs> yeah, f- folks at home, if you haven't been listening to sh- to the show for very long, we have like a. It's almost like a running gag at this point where Kyle and I notice different things in films. And one thing that I can't not notice is the soundtrack, the score. Um, and in Kyle's case, more often than not, he, he just goes bug-eyed on me. He's like, there was music there? There was music. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, I didn't notice it. <laughs> I, well, I yeah, I tend not to notice the soundtrack. I tend to notice lighting a bit more. Uh, that tends to be my thing for some reason. I'm not sure why. Drinking habits. Drinking habits. Smoking. Uh, smoking. Um, yeah, but the, uh, the, uh, the movie starts with some dude. Who is this guy? I didn't understand who he was. Yeah. He's just a dude. He's just some dude living, uh, what, like, it looks like, go ahead. No, the first few scenes, I'm like, is this have, I don't think it has anything to do with anything else apart from maybe setting up the villains because 
I mean, I don't know how far. Like the one scene I wrote down, it's the I like Cadillacs scene. I'm like, why is this? Why is this here? I don't remember. Does it play into anything after this? Part. Also, Max Max steals that car, and then he's driving a Cadillac later. So it doesn't even make any sense why he stole that car. <laughs> so, um, the, uh, when Kyle says Mac, by the way, he's referring to Bill Duke. Uh, Mac was the character he played in Predator, which I would assume most people know him for for playing. Uh, Bill Duke is is he's he's a really solid character actor that I'm always happy to see him. Like when we mm-hmm. watched Mandy, yeah, when we I watched like Mandy, him. I was yeah. like, "Yay, it's Bill Duke!" <laughs> he's great in Payback. Um, oh yeah, uh, yeah. Also, I'm going to be referring to Vernon Wells as Wes. It's just easier. Yeah, uh, Vernon Wells, who played Wes in uh, The Road Warrior or Mad Max Two, if you're an Aussie. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> so we have uh, the garbage bin coming into this uh, this town. Uh, I think close by, Mark Wahlberg's running away from uh, that crazy crackhead in uh, in the Hollywood Hills. But yeah, this guy just wakes up. Oh shoot, it's trash day, and he he runs outside. Is like, hang on, guys, hang on. They got we got we got one more for you, and. Just so nonchalantly to the point where I didn't even realize this was going to happen. They just like hop off and just slowly, not even slowly, just like couldn't even care less. Just pull Uzis out of the back of this, uh, out of the back of this uh, dump truck and just unload on this guy. And they even do like he's dead. And then Bill Duke goes up and still gives him a, like a 20 more. In the Triple chest. tap, quadruple, whatever it is. Oh, uh, uh, Mozambique drill. Uh, two in the chest, one in the head. In this case, 30 in each, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, hang on, I gotta reload. He's not quite all the way dead. <laughs> no, he, he totally Ed 209. I was him. gonna say, Ed 209 took it easier than Bill <laughs> <laughs> on this guy. Well, I'm sure Paul Verhoeven saw this film and he was like, oh, we could do better than that. <laughs> but. Um, yeah, I think it's also a testament to how just how big Bill Duke is. He's fucking enormous. Yeah, because I think it's a Mac Ten uh, that he's handling, and he it's like a toy. Yeah, like it's like a it's like a micro machine in his hand. In fact, he's like holding it like sideways at a weird angle because it just shows that recoil be damned he's bill duke he's not moving <laughs> like, like, like he's just holding it all at all these wonky angles but um in stark contrast to rambo 2 which we talked about last week um which came out apparently only a few months before this film uh funny Ooh. enough uh it's so fascinating to me that the very first shot in rambo 2 and my brother and i joked about this is literally an explosion no context, just oh, explosion. Yeah, yeah, the rock quarry. Yeah, the very first thing you see in the film, before the credits, before there's any music, before you even know what the fuck movie you're watching. Yeah. So immediately that's telling you what kind of experience you're getting. The first shot in this movie is a suburban street, and then a garbage truck gingerly just kind of like comes over the horizon. Like it's the burbs. And there's no music. <laughs> it's it's early in the morning, just suburban garbage truck. <laughs> there will be death. There will be death. I don't know that that's the case though, because like imagine you're flipping channels and this is your first shot you see in the movie. Well, <laughs> and you're just like, oh, this seems like good family entertainment. Maybe it's Beethoven or Beethoven f- two or something. Honestly, if you were <laughs> channel surfing and you went past this, you'd be like, that looks stupid. That looks stupid. That looks stupid. You'd probably skip past this part with the Uzis and you get back to Arnold. Uh, feeding a deer and you're like well this what the fuck is this stupid movie <laughs> or arnold hanging out at the galleria damn it <laughs> oh. <laughs> he beat me to it 
Somebody had to. I, I, I knew everybody had that in the holster. I had to be first. I had it in my notes. <laughs> you can it. do it again later. Oh, no, you ruined it. It's fine. I'm sorry, Kyle. But um, yeah, this this whole opening sequence, and it's basically like a montage, but without any music, curiously enough. Like the energy here is not to the standard of the rest of the film. It's puzzling, honestly. Um, and I understand why both of you are utterly confused as to what these scenes represent or why they're here. Um, basically what this is, is a scene that happens in like the middle or like in the beginning of the third act of Lethal Weapon 2, mm-hmm. which same producer, maybe they, maybe that was a holdover. Maybe they're like, we should take another swing at that. Basically all of these guys, these anonymous people that we see get knocked off here in the form of, you know, Uzi assassination via garbage truck. Um, what, uh, I like free cars and I like running people over <laughs> like via Bill Duke stealing a car and murdering a man also, at the same time. Don't don't run in front of a car if somebody's about to drive it like Yeah, especially if they look like Bill Duke and he's mean mugging you the whole time. Is <laughs> he keep calling him brother too? He's like, "Hey brother." I, I I think so. Like the sales pitch is pretty it's pretty raggedy. Yeah. It's pretty desperate is what it reeks of. This guy has gambling debts for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, what all these scenes are is these people used to be part of Arnold Schwarzenegger's uh, military unit. Um, and so this is some external force eliminating his retired military buddies, which is why he's the last one on the list, basically. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. And this this exact scene, Nick, Nick acknowledged it, um, this exact scene plays out in Lethal Weapon 2, where we have all the people who were... Uh, kind of hassling the South Africans in that film get knocked off towards the middle of it. Uh, they all get assassinated, much like Riggs Riggs's uh, wife did um, off screen in the prologue to the whole series. But um, f- the last person that gets killed here, and it's it's kind of strange, is we see Vernon Wells um, on like a fishing dock. In a- yeah, this made no sense. <laughs> yeah, it's weird seeing Vernon Wells uh, in a like a cold climate, like. He, it, maybe it's because he's Australian and I associate him with the Outback because of the Road Warrior and stuff. But like seeing him in like a baggy work jacket with a hat and stuff, it just yeah. looks weird to me. <laughs> also, but he gets. Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say it doesn't make any sense because he's on the boat that gets shot. It looks like, but he doesn't die. Yeah. Yes, I, I actually <laughs> was thinking the same thing when I first saw that scene, <laughs> and I it, they don't say it until much later in the film. The the uh, the Australian guy. He goes. Did you just spit? <laughs> Did you just spit on the floor? Listen, man. It's beside the point. the The main villain said we knew the only way that we could get the colonel to come to you is if I died. So they staged his death to get to John Matry. Oh man, wow. I did not catch that. I didn't that. even pick up on that. Like, good yeah. on you for writing that down, because I, I pff, went right over my head. I just assumed yeah. it was, like, a, a ploy to, like, make everybody check him off the list of potential people involved or something. Yep. Um, but, yeah, th- this is a fake death. We we get to see him go on this boat, and then uh, Bill Duke is on the docks with a detonator, and then the, but the boat explodes, uh, and then we, we cut to uh, basically a monster movie reveal of of our leading man um mm-hmm. kyle and i have talked about this when we've talked about monster movies previously where it's like a good reveal for your creature is to do it in like chunks where it's like just like claws or just like feet and then like you hear it and then you see its shadow and then finally after everything's built up you have like a grand reveal 
we get exactly that, but it's just like pieces of a giant Austrian man in the woods. Yeah. <laughs> it's like we get we get just big feet <laughs> clumping along <laughs> like in, on a dirt road, and then bicep, and then chest, and then log slung over shoulder, and then really terrible fucking haircut that seems to be a holdover from the first Terminator movie. Yeah, wouldn't be surprised yeah. if yeah maybe he just kept that after that film or something. Um, but this seems like the right time to talk about the music. Uh, I know we were pushing this off, but uh, this is where we this is where the soundtrack makes its grand arrival at the same time as our leading man, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger playing John Matrix. Um, being as you two were the ones building it up, uh, have at it. Tell it. Tell us about the score for Commando. Kyle, Kyle, I give you the honor. Yeah, so we have some lethal weapon saxophone. Not as good, not not as good, but a lot of saxophone. Uh, and then what else do we have on the track, Bub? Oh, gosh, my fourth note is steel drums. I hate yes. them. I hate steel drums. I, I, they, <laughs> but it somehow works. I don't know. It's no. the strangest thing. It, no, no it, it, some, in some scenes, it somehow works. It's not like straight up uh, Duster Point Dexter doing hot, hot, hot. It's like, it's just, it's very, it's, it's like, is that steel drums? And then it just goes away I'm like, I swear to God, like it just keeps, it comes in and out and it, it messes with you. Um, yeah, I think that who, who was the, uh, who was the conductor, the combo- composer of this? This was a James Horner score. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the sound guy. The sound uh, this was a James Horner score, which, um, prepare to have your mind blown. This man has a diverse filmography. It's huge. I mean, yeah. It's, yeah. I've... Yeah. This guy did Glory, which is a beautiful wow, uh, choral yeah. score. Like, it's mostly a, like a boys' choir. Um, really grand symphonic score. He did the score for Titanic. That he did I, the score for Aliens. Huh? I, I, those are the two that I'm like, wait, what? I'm like, the fucking wow. co- uh, cokehead steel drums did fucking Titanic? <laughs> I'm like, wow. No, yeah. I, I was texting Kyle uh, as he was watching yeah. the movie because, like I said, I, I had to respond immediately because Kyle is texting me about the music in a movie. Yeah. <laughs> Something is amiss. <laughs> but, Something's wrong. Um, I was texting him that this was around the time James Horner and I think even James Cameron uh, we're both working for Roger Corman, uh, so they were probably like putting in some fucking hours, like all like all over the place. So I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, James Horner had one of those moments where he had a bunch of sheet music and he dropped it all on the floor. It's <laughs> <laughs> it like, oh shit, I got my steel drums mixed with my saxophone. <laughs> and on top of that, the instrumentation for this this score is just madness. It's yeah. utter insanity. Like. I, I detected some like shakuhachi, like Japanese flute. Um, there's a lot of synth here, so it's, yeah. it's synthesizer, electronic stuff. But yeah, there's like Japanese flute playing over it. There's steel drums. There's electric guitar. There's saxophone. It's the '80s action movie. <laughs> I want everything. Of Do- <laughs> it's Dewey Cox at the end of fucking uh, <laughs> Walk Hard. I want ten thousand didgeridoos. That's just- <laughs> it's all of it, man. No, and, I was half expecting a didgeridoo to pop in here. I mean, you have an Aussie in the cast. That's right. Yeah, right? Could yeah. find a, he, and he retains his accent. He doesn't cover it. So you can totally he? spin that. Yeah. Because uh, I couldn't. 
I've heard it thicker in other movies, so I feel like he's kind of throwing a few shades off of it. Like maybe it, he attempted to flatten it out. A I bit. think he flattened it a little bit, just a little bit. But he, he can't help it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but on top of that, though, um, funny enough, uh, I did mention that he scored Aliens. I actually detected a couple of notes that he would use in the score for Aliens just a, a short year later. Um, there's whenever he's uh, doing like infiltration stuff. This is this movie is called Commando. There's exactly one scene where he's stealthy. Yeah. <laughs> also, there's a, six there's foot like, two, six foot two, two hundred and sixty pound guy. Not very stealthy. No, no. He he makes a racket wherever he goes. <laughs> but there's there's a certain like chuk, 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 chuk noise that plays all over the score for Aliens that yeah. is in this film. At several instances, God, I it's, un- that. it's unmistakable. Uh, like if you, Kyle, if you search your memories deep enough for aliens, you'll you'll find you'll find it in your in your brain bucket there. <laughs> but um, yeah, we get introduced to John Matrix in the woods of Ca- California, um, carrying a log and a gigantic fucking chainsaw. Uh, and yeah, he has like a. I guess they put him in like the equivalent of like a, a really 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 luxurious safe house or something. That's not even safe house. This is a fucking like when you rent a cabin at like uh at like a ski resort. Like that's how. Yeah, this is how nice it is. I'm like, it's not even nice. It's shitty. I'm like, this is a like, how long is he gonna be here? Because it sucks. <laughs> like I can see like it even looks like like on the inside like the screens, the screen doors and everything. I'm like, this just this is not nice. Yeah, it it masquerades as nice. Um, if it wasn't in a nice place, it, you wouldn't think twice about it. But um, we also get introduced to a very very young Alyssa Milano as his daughter, uh, who has the worst wardrobe imaginable. Nobody um, had a good I, wardrobe. Yeah, it was the mid '80s. Everybody looked like shit. <laughs> but I, I love that she sneaks up on him as he's chopping wood, and like because he's john matrix she can't successfully sneak up on him he has to get wise to her because as nick pointed out he has numerous superpowers numerous yeah. yes um, i have that's uh, but yeah when, when we finally get credits for the movie though because remember up to this point we don't know what movie we're watching there haven't been credits this is the first time we've had music the credits play over a montage of him f- having like dad. mom and like, having dad and daughter day <laughs> so i i was thinking so he, yeah uh my my notes are log ice cream karate deer fishing. Uh, you know I noticed at the end of the movie, uh, he, Arnold never really gets the lady. Like it doesn't really happen. Uh, did you have, do you guys know of any movies where he ends up with the lady at the end? I'm not counting like Kindergarten Cop. We all saw that happen. <laughs> um, did he did he get uh, Vanessa Williams at the end of Eraser? Because I seem to remember maybe I, that working out. I don't I don't know I don't it I don't really they don't really dial it in throughout the, the movie from what i remember yeah, in the end of total recall you know most people would say that was a dream but he he you know seems to have something going on with that lady in in the dream or whatever but it's not like steven seagal where it's like he's barely talked to the female throughout the film and then he has to make out with her at the end or you know in the case of hard to kill he literally has his wife in the film and they bang in the middle of the film and probably at the end of the film <laughs> oh no he kill in hard to kill his wife in the film dies and then he starts dating his actual wife in real no, life no the, the actress is his wife i know but he has an actual <laughs> wife at the beginning who dies then he starts dating his nurse that's well, they, that, they should have put in the credits an, an autobiography by Steven Seagal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's how it happened. That's yeah. how I got my second wife. 
<laughs> or, Are you into torture? Up, <laughs> I think he's up to like five or six now. Uh, yeah. But yeah, our opening credits for Commando play over a montage of him fucking around the woods with his daughter. <laughs> <laughs> and know. the music's all like happy and peppy. It's so bizarre. I thought she was going to... Right after many, new, many, many murders up I, to this point, by the way. Watching this montage and I'm like... The first time I'm like, oh, she's dead. This girl's totally dead. And then I watched it the first time. I'm like, wait, huh? She survived? I'm like, I did not see that coming, but okay, keep going. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I got a chuckle out of him tossing her around the pool. Because <laughs> I was like, dude, take it easy. <laughs> like, like, I mean, she's on she's on rent. She's not actually your daughter. Be careful. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, the montage concludes with them uh, making sandwiches in the kitchen and... Uh, we get mention of Boy George out of nowhere. Um, yeah. Thankfully, we don't say a whole lot, <laughs> but we do mention it because it's 1985. Um, and yeah, apparently she sucks at making sandwiches. Uh, he, at one point, I think he asks her, like, what's in these? And she doesn't even reply. <laughs> it's like, that's not good. Probably Olive Loaf, psychopath. Oof. Um, but yeah, uh, very similar uh, to like a traditional Rambo type movie. Um, remember, this was 1985. We we were still kind of forming, like the prototypical example of this particular type of film. Uh, we get a helicopter coming in from out of nowhere, and it has a, I think a general or something in it, uh, who is he's not calling John back to the war necessarily. This is this is something that happens in virtually every Rambo movie, where it's like we need you to come back, John. Uh, or every Steven Seagal movie, for that matter. In this case, he's basically saying, like, hey, your buddies are dead. Watch out. <laughs> um, and then literally, like, two minutes later, uh, some some goons show up and uh, start shooting at Matrix after the general guys left. But he left him with, like, a couple of guards. And we got our first uh, Arnold action beat, uh, which is actually, it's short and sweet, but it's it's kind of fun. Where the general's talking to him. Yeah, he smells the guy in the bushes, basically. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I like That's how... superpower. I like... I like uh, this is one of his Archer moments where he's like, you have enemies all over the world, John. It could be the Syrians, South Americans, Russians, terrorist group. I'm like, oh yeah, Archer has definitely pissed off every single one of those people. Uh, but I like that he's like... What does he say? Uh, you're smooth and silent. Uh, it... He's like, uh, the two guys, he's like, I'm going to leave these two guys here with you. And he's like, are they any good? Like, they're the best, but not as good as you. They die almost instantly. <laughs> it's like, yeah. It's like that. <laughs> yeah, General leaves and immediately uh, some goons start shooting at them from the bushes. The one guy just eats shit immediately. The other guy, thankfully, only gets it in the, he gets like winged in the arm. And they all take wound. cover in the house. Yeah. <laughs> and this is where Arnold mentions that I. Uh, <laughs> He mentioned he uses the phrase downwind and the yeah. guy's like like hang on, like it's not like I'm gonna be smelling where they are, they're gonna be smelling where I am. And he's like, I did. <laughs> it's yep. like I can. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so that's like probably superpower number one, I guess. Well, I mean if, yeah. super senses. <laughs> I mean, there was like two deodorants back then. It was like brute and speed stick, so speed stick is the most pungent deodorant there is. So it is very possible he did smell speed stick. Yeah, very possible. I'll give him the but, benefit of the doubt. Uh, Arnold leaves his daughter with this random soldier guy who is gravely wounded, by the way, <laughs> uh, because he he wants to head to his, his gun shed because yep. he does have a gun shed. He has there. a gun shed. Uh, combination one, three, by the way. <laughs> <Just> dunk, <laughs> dunk, dunk, dunk. <laughs> Jesus. 
Jeez. simple. And yeah, it is a shed full of guns. Uh, and he, he like pulls out like a G3 of some sort. Uh, I think it's a German gun. It's fitting. <laughs> but uh, he, he runs back to the house and he finds uh, the soldier has had like his throat slit. But he's standing up for some reason. Uh, I don't understand the physics of that. Yeah, it's almost like they killed him, stood him up, put him in the door frame and said, okay, as soon as he opens his door, he's going to fall over. And then we'll yeah. talk to him. Well, was <laughs> so this is a movie that it's best if you just don't ask questions like just just enjoy it there's there was he just felt like all we need to know is that this guy is dead we don't need to know what they were trying to accomplish by having him up against the door so that he fell maybe it was another obstacle to slow him down intimidation yeah, it's best it's best just not nest just don't ask questions yeah you really you really ought to just check your brain at the door for this one. It's it's that kind of movie, uh, much more so than Rambo Two, honestly. Like Rambo Two has actually some things to say. This one has nothing to say. It, it this is literally just Arnold Schwarzenegger is cool. Let's watch him blow things up. <laughs> the last ten minutes of Rambo Two is bananas. Uh, by the way, I wish I could have talked about that, but anyway. Yeah, I wish you were there for that too, but especially because my brother and I, you know have grown up with Stallone's movies and have a lot to say about them and a lot of things that we probably just assume the other one already knows so we held back but with you there maybe it would have come out but anyway I love that he he comes back into the house and the goon who killed all the troops is just like doing the uh, we meet again James Bond thing <laughs> where he's just like sitting in the corner of the room and he's like telling him like oh we have your daughter we're holding her ransom it's like and basically he's like would you like me to tell you where she is and he's like no Bam. <laughs> he just says like one word and he blasts him right in the face <laughs> um but then we have a dilemma of like a car chase but they they uh they tore up the engine of his of his truck uh so being as arnold has many superpowers in this movie uh he does the the very smart thing and he just like releases the, the brake for the vehicle shoves it down the hill and by the way the stunt driving here looked legitimately fucking dangerous terrifying yes. i was gonna say the same thing i'm like hats off to this stunt guy i hope he made it <laughs> i can't confirm that he did because this looked terrifying if michael bay would have directed this movie that guy would be dead d-e dead for the movie <laughs> no don't no, don't wear the seatbelt. then you're not gonna come through the windshield it's like, you, you can't even that. see me on camera. Why does it matter? <laughs> hey, uh, Doug, can you take off the seatbelt? Uh, we can't see you in the camera, okay? <laughs> we can't see you violently thrashing around <laughs> and praying to God as you go down the hill. <laughs> He's bleeding from the ears. Just put some tissues in there. All right, ready. <laughs> Round two. Round Let's two. do it. <laughs> um, but, yeah, he, he shoves this truck down the hill and rides it. No brakes. Just all gas, no brakes. <laughs> yeah, but I was like, this is really dangerous because you could take out the car that your daughter is in, and you could take out the car your daughter is in on the side she's sitting in. She's dead. <laughs> you just yeah. killed your daughter. No, he technically doesn't know where she is. <laughs> <laughs> he actually he has complete disregard for his daughter's life in this movie. Like he does not give a shit at all. They told you. Follow these rules, or we're gonna kill her. And he's like, "Nah, I don't care." 
No, I mean, that's the plot to many a Punisher story where it's like, dude, Frank, you, you just wanted an excuse to kill a bunch of people. It's like, you don't even remember your family anymore. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> They've been dead on. for years. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, he, he takes a couple of passes at these two vehicles that are speeding down the hill. Um, and eventually he, he does crash, though, and the vehicle turns over. And, of course, it doesn't explode because John Matrix would, you know, even John Matrix would probably die if the car exploded, but it does catch fire because '80s movie, um, and a whole bunch, just a whole bunch of guys appear out of nowhere. <laughs> like Dude, we don't see oh. what vehicle they came out of; they're just there, and they all have guns. The clown car adversary count in this is insane because, like, the mall cops. There's like fucking twenty. I've never even seen a mall cop. There's twenty at the Galleria, but yeah. Like fucking, dudes just fucking pile out of this car. Like, Where these guys come from? Yeah, and there's there's probably ten, maybe even twelve of them. And they all gang up on him, and he be they all have guns, by the way. And he just starts slugging people. I think he, <laughs> like men, in, I think he men in tights like punches four dudes out like with one punch. No, like it's ridiculous. He just starts hammering people, and they go flying every time he touches them because. This, like I said, this movie is a representation of Arnold that we actually don't get that often in movies. Where this is like no. full on like cartoon superhero Arnold, where he he does things that even someone built like Arnold honestly can't really do as easily as he makes it seem. Right. Um, yeah. But that's to this movie's benefit, where it everything's heightened, everything's extra stupid, every extra silly, uh, explosions <laughs> are extra big, stuff like that. But eventually he does get subdued though, and we get a reveal of Bennett. Who at you know to most casual observers they probably wouldn't even know the significance of this strange giant mustachioed man, or it's yeah. like because he was in the big jacket with the hat on the on the dock in the boat and stuff. It's like I, I thought he I died. I don't even know if I would recognize him or yeah. or yeah or I would have assumed he died. But yeah, he's here and he's wearing his uniform that he will wear for the remainder of the film. And uh, you 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 boys want to explain what Mister Mister Wells is wearing in this film? I, I just put out Bennett's outfit of choice. Kyle, if you want to describe what it is. Yeah. So Bennett has a matching high and tight haircut. Uh, he has a big old Freddie Mercury mustache. Uh, he has... So it's interesting when guys like this pick uh, like clothes like this because, like we mentioned, this is Wes from Mad Max, and he was like pretty fit dude. He's pretty crazy in that movie. But Vernon Wells has just been like pounding beer for like four years, so he's like a like like an out of shape football coach. Like he just looks like shit. So he's got yeah, he's got like a fucking belly, and he's got on like a super tight black t shirt that's like the sleeves are up really high, and he's got a fishnet vest. I guess is the it, best way to describe chain it. Mail. It's chainmail. Chainmail. Sorry. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's chain mail, but it's cut into the shape of a tank top. And he's got the uh, dice clay gloves on the whole time. The fingerless gloves. <laughs> I'm glad you noticed that. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, this is a dilemma that I think I've talked to my brother about this um, off off uh, audio. Um, where it was the mid-80s, and you have a situation where who do you put up against Arnold Schwarzenegger? Because among your, your you know, central casting peoples like your standard goon squad of people you have in your rolodex in hollywood you can't just put an average guy beside him and that's the thing like i, I learned this lesson from hey arnold no i learned this lesson from hey arnold on nickelodeon that sometimes crazy can indeed defeat strong 
<laughs> like crazy does count for a lot. I I I wouldn't doubt that Gary Busey would be a handful <laughs> if you had to tussle with him. But think but, about how good he is in Lethal Weapon One. I'm like I feel. I, if this was directed by somebody else, I think that Gary Busey would be a good matchup against Arnold. Not necessarily in this movie. Well, what what I'm getting at though is the the physical aspect of things. Oh, okay. because the way Arnold looks, Carl not Weathers. Just in term- Carl Weathers, but Carl Weathers is too cool, man. He's too I don't nice, want to yeah. see him be the bad guy in anything, man. He's, even, <laughs> he's kind of fishy in Predator. Oh, by the way, that's one of my favorite Arnold entrances is him uh, as Dutch, just in the shadows. It's been a long time, General. No, no, no. Him, <laughs> him in the helicopter, uh, just oh, in yeah. the shadows lighting the cigar. But yeah, I yeah. think Carl Weathers, if he was... Yeah, he can't play a bad guy. Well, he just, yeah. What about yeah. Bill? I mean, like... Okay. What about Bill Duke? I mean, he's already in the movie. Do you think he would have been better? He I, he he could have done it well, although um, the characterization of Bennett when we get to those final scenes, I don't know that Bill Duke would be the right guy for that. Like he he doesn't he never like I've never seen him go to a certain level with his energy on camera. He's generally kind of calm and collected and and a little bit nuts, but but not that brand of. Nuts. Now remember when he he gores that wild boar in uh Prairie, he's like screaming at the guys. I'm like actually I think. I'm yeah. gonna have me some fun. <laughs> I'm gonna have me some fun. I'm gonna have me some fun. I'm gonna you real quiet. Real quiet. <laughs> oh, God. Now I just wanna watch Predator. I wanna watch Predator <laughs> now, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but going back to Vernon Wells, though, I, I think a big part of why he was cast, obviously, the Road Warrior is why he was cast, but yeah. a big part of it is that he's very tall. He's very big. Yeah. Regardless of what kind of shape he's in, that does count for something on screen. Because um, he is considerably taller than yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger, but he um, has a funny, he has a funny, uh, like his body. He's got like a kind of a pop belly, but he's got these little skinny arms. Like if he just would have done a little, like just a few, a couple of months of beefing up his arms, it would look better. Yeah, he he's not particularly muscle bound, and I even noticed that he has kind of an odd gait. Mm-hmm. Um, like the way he carries himself when he walks around is actually like not threatening at all no. which is shocking considering his performance in the road warrior because wes is a truly terrifying character at times you were yeah. he's massively intimidating in that film he is yeah uh, but in this big old teddy bear yeah. <laughs> like he's, he is. he's so not intimidating yeah no not even like even when it comes to like selling punches and stuff he doesn't really have it under siege 2 uh the bag not eric bogosian but oh everett mcgill everett mcgill everett mcgill he can he's a capable actor and i think he's fairly tall as well because standing next to steven seagal who you know regardless of what you want to say about him as a person actually in hollywood he's a fairly tall guy um from a physical standpoint yeah everett mcgill he's a little spindly um he's a little he's a little thin but he's got height he certainly has intimidation factor yeah he could have done it but he he was probably doing better things (laughs) honestly (laughs) twin peaks wasn't out yet anyway no no that was like five years later but um anyway long story short they subdue john matrix they tranquilize him and he (laughs) he is made aware of the fact that bennett uh, is involved in the scheme um, which uh, I'm not about to reiterate, but basically it's ev- it's all that shit that Kyle said at the yeah. very beginning uh, during the plot summary. But we get introduced to Dan Hedaya here, uh, as well as uh, a couple of the other heavies who will be present in this film. And they're basically all just like, eh, yeah, they, they aren't around for very for long. A couple of minutes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but basically this is where the, the plot 
is exposited to us where Dan Hedaya is like, hey, you de- you deposed me. Um, you're friends with the president that you installed in this fictional South American country in my stead. Uh, I have your daughter, so you should use your connection to that guy to get close to him and then murder him so you can reinstall me as the president of that country very clean and simple no no potential speed bumps in that plan whatsoever (laughs) a lot of eggs in one basket (laughs) it'll work it's fine i thought of of everything (laughs) that is quite a few eggs sir (laughs) he's made a checkers move when we're playing chess it's like you know you had to make more moves than that right like it's it's not that simple that's one of my favorite lines in training day (laughs) <laughs> the shit's just not checkers yeah, he's right <laughs> um but yeah uh the beginning of this this plot if you want to call it that involves uh buying john matrix a plane ticket uh sending him on a on a plane ride uh to this uh nick what was the name of this this uh country that dan Hadai is supposed to be from it was called val verde yeah and you said there was a little bit of background uh regarding that fictional country name well yeah kind of definitely i was well, there's at here... least a story behind it yeah well i was watching the movie and i was like valverde that's totally not a country right <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> definitely felt stupid had to google to just to check and make sure and i found out that it's actually used in kind of some other movies and comics and kind of other medium uh, it was actually used in Die Hard 2 as where the, I think it was the general or whatever the colonel was from that. Yeah, yeah it's that, uh, it, I guess it's just a fictional country that they kind of use in, in recurring stories. So I thought, well, that's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, it seems to be maybe a hallmark of the writer, uh, Stephen E. D'Souza, because um, I don't remember if we mentioned it on the Street Fighter the movie episode, but uh, another weird quirky detail that he put in there uh, similar to this fictional country Valverde is a I think the the language they speak in M. Bison's organization Shadowloo in that movie is Esperanto um, which is it's that it's what the universal language that uh, simultaneously everybody and nobody speaks apparently Uh, google it if you haven't heard of it but uh, yeah just it's a weird writer's quirk but um, when I watched the movie I didn't pay it any mind I just assumed oh Valverde that's clearly a fictional country um, but yeah, when when Nick dug a little bit deeper in there, I guess it's something that these writers have used before. Um, like I said, Jeff Loeb is a comic book writer. He, he did he did a lot of Batman stuff at one point. I wouldn't be surprised if he mentioned it there. But um, we do get a one-liner uh, here at the airport, wherein John Matrix uh, drops a Terminator line here. Yeah. Kyle. Uh, he, he has to stop before they send him into the terminal <laughs> and uh, tell tell some tell something to Bennett. Do you remember what this one was? Which one is it? Trust me? No. I'll, I'll be back. It's, I'll, be back. I'll be back. I'll be back. Bennett. He said the thing. He said the thing. My favorite was fuck you, asshole. I'm like, wait, did we just get a fuck you, asshole? Nice. Oh, that's I totally forgot one that was of my Terminator. Very favorites. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's one of my very favorites in this film in particular, though. That's one of <laughs> Bill Paxton's best line deliveries. Uh, yeah, uh, put a pin in that, by the way. Yeah, right? <laughs> um, but when we're at the terminal, we get introduced to a character who, unfortunately, we're going to be seeing a lot of for the, about the next fucking half hour. Seriously. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and that would be Sully. God damn. <laughs> God damn Sully. He uh, plays so a Sully, good creeper. 
you just want to put your thumb in his eye. Like, he, he really <laughs> just gets under your skin. Yeah, so Sully is a diminutive fellow with a impressive cleft chin. Uh, this actor is named David Patrick Kelly. I know him as the Warriors come out to play guy. Um, and Kyle, you knew him from something else, right? Uh, Twin Peaks. I knew him from Twin Peaks. Yeah, he, uh, he did have a role in there. He reminds me of Jeffrey Combs a little bit. Uh, a little bit. A little squirreliness like him, yeah. He has like a little bit of like a southern swagger thing going on, though. Yeah, I wonder... I wonder if he's like, uh, I'm guessing he's like a Kiwi or something. I, I I think he's American, but he has a certain kind of swagger about him that seems like, you've, you've hung out in a lot of bars, haven't you, Sully? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, uh, we spend like a good solid half hour of this fucking movie just kind of watching him be a creeper. <laughs> and like the whole time you're just like, something bad's going to happen to him. I, I hope it's good. And fortunately, it's damn good. Uh, Sully's demise in this film, and spoiler alert, he does have a demise, um, is one of the best moments in this movie. Um, it's truly a classic action movie moment. But uh, the cool thing about this movie um, is that from here on out, it essentially just becomes like a very straightforward race against time where there's very little bullshit aside from chasing Sully. Um, but Matrix has to get on this plane uh, and he has like a chaperone with him who this guy has a really unfortunate hairline, by the way. <laughs> I thought it was the I thought it was the police chief from Terminator. I thought it was uh, the Shogun of Harlem from The Last Dragon, <laughs> uh, if you're familiar with that. He looks, the Shogun of Harlem from uh, from The Last Dragon looks, I think Buster Rhymes actually uh, replicated the outfit for one of his uh, music videos back in the day. But um, anyway, he has a chaperone, and do you, do you guys want to explain how Arnold gets off the plane here? It's pretty incredible. Oh. Nick, do you want to take this? Yeah, Actually, it's pretty great. It is great. Um, actually, I think that's one of his superpowers. He's immune to um, <laughs> flight rules or something like that. Yeah, yeah I'll, 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 I'll get you to the bottom of the plane if you want to take over from there. But yeah, so he uh, he orders... Go ahead. No, I just wanted to say real quick. Well, no, maybe I should wait till after you do your piece. It's, it's about his departure from the plane. There was a YouTube yeah. comment, so go ahead. I'll, I'll get you to there. So yeah, so he... Uh, the, the thing is, is he has to stay on the plane... Uh, all the way, the 11-hour flight to Valverde, and if anything happens on the way there, uh, they're going to kill his daughter. So the first thing he does is order a blanket and a pillow and breaks this dude's neck, uh, puts the puts the pillow underneath his head, puts the blanket on him, puts his hat on. He's like, my friend's dead tired. Can you just not bother him? And then he's just like, all right, now I'm going to get off this plane that's already starting to move. <laughs> and, yeah. So yeah, Nick, uh, and he, by the way, he knows exactly, like, it's like Air Force One, like, he's just like, oh, and yeah. puts his elevator down, and uh, he just knows his way straight out of the airplane. But if you want yes. to tell us what happens. He just pokes his fingers and stuff, rips stuff open, bam, he, he's at the freaking wheel, tire, thing, whatever, it's moving. One of the YouTube comments I saw, I don't know if this is true, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pretend like it is, minimum takeoff speed for DC-10, I guess that's the model, is 135 knots, 155 miles per hour. <laughs> it makes no sense because we we're doing like the uh, like the action scene where like when he goes out, like he's kind of doing a, I think he's doing his own little stunt here where he's like under like under the plane a little bit yeah. and it's moving. It's going like 
10 miles an hour, maybe, maybe 10 miles an hour. But this plane is like about to take off and it is hauling ass. <laughs> so I'm like, is he going to jump off this plane? Like he's gonna Good thing aim there's water. The <laughs> aim for the bushes? Yeah, no, you're going to die. <laughs> there's no bushes. <laughs> bushes will cut you in half. <laughs> he gets up and buttons his button. <laughs> Oh, no, man. it was the mid '80s. So honestly, if that's how they decided to do this sequence, him just like tucking and rolling and, and dropping <laughs> onto the onto the runway, I, I wouldn't have been surprised. But thankfully, he does wait long enough till there's a very con- convenient like stretch of like it's almost like a bayou or something. Yeah, but, um, it's like swamp or marshland uh, that he falls into, and we get a lovely dummy shot where it's literally just a. a ragdoll dummy falling off an airplane there's a lot the the dummy budget was uh spared no expense in this movie because there are in the early goings yeah but towards the end i don't know man the explosions i'm like five five dummies six dummies yeah five stationary dummies that didn't fall down yeah (laughs) Yeah, you had one job dummy and you didn't even do that right (laughs) but um yeah he long story short he jumps out of the plane uh, he ditches his crummy blazer, so now he's just running around. And what kind of shirt would you call this green thingamajig he's wearing? Um, but anyway, uh, we just get a reminder that his daughter's being held captive while uh, Dan Hedaya and uh, Vernon Wells abscond with her to some unknown location, which is actually a huge part of the plot here is Arnold trying to figure out where she is. Yeah, so he's got 11 hours before they figure out that he's not there. And it, it, it starts off being kind of a thing, but it kind of goes away after a while. Like, the the time component. It, it just doesn't, You don't really feel it in the movie. Yeah, uh, we do have a handful of shots where he checks his watch because he does set a timer. Like, as soon as he jumps out of the airplane, that's the first fucking thing yeah. he does. It sets a timer for 11 hours. But yeah, about halfway through the movie, they just ditch that altogether. I, I guess the editor got bored of that or something. But, um, no more. He runs back to the terminal, and uh, we get some questionable uh, continuity here where it's like, it looks like he comes back to the terminal and it's nighttime, but then it's daytime, and then a couple of other scenes play out, and it's nighttime and it's daytime. It doesn't really matter, but yeah. uh, we get introduced to uh, an important character actually, uh, played by Radon Chong. Uh, this would be Cindy. Uh, I believe she's a flight attendant. Mm-hmm. Um and she's wor- she's on the phone, like on a payphone in the terminal, and Sully, David Patrick Kelly, uh, just dials his sleaze factor up to 11 and just will not leave her alone. Yeah, he's looking up at her while she's on the phone, <laughs> hitting on her. Like, dude, you could not, like, I mean, I mean hats off. He's, like, really, <laughs> he's looking up at her, talking to her while she's on the phone with somebody else. Yeah, she's on the phone, and she's even doing the things that, unfortunately, a lot of women are, are pretty keen on doing around these types of people and, like, mentioning I love you and, like, I miss you and I'll see you later. Like, things that, if you're paying attention at all, generally tell tell you, the casual observer, that, oh, that person, you know, has a significant other already. <laughs> um, but, yeah, he just will not leave her alone. And we get, like, a good five-minute stretch of him just, like, following her from, like, 20 30 feet behind and doing his his weird like walk like, <laughs> his suit is too big it's like a david byrne suit or something yeah <laughs> yeah and then she turns him down again like he follows her all the way to her car and she's still really calm 
and really cool about it. And she turns back and then he calls her a bitch. I'm like, uh, no, what? it's it's no. it's even worse than that. Yeah, it's no. worse. What does he call her? <laughs> you fucking whore. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but but I have a question. I have a question for you guys. Yo, because in my notes I put, is it Sully? Sully. 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 Sully is creepy. I put Arnold is creepier. And I want to present that to you guys because Arnold, I mean, at least Sully walks away. He's like, okay, no. Arnold literally jumps in her car, rips out her seat, and says, drive. Yeah. <laughs> well, and before that, he grabs her behind the neck with one hand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's a little threatening. <laughs> He's a little insistent as well. Because oh, we, <laughs> we as the viewer like Arnold, so we forget that this person doesn't know this guy, so she's got a six foot two beefcake with a knife to her, or like, or not knife to her, but like, shut up, get in the car, drive. It's like, uh, yeah, that'd be pretty scary. Yeah, they actually almost make it into a running gag, though his mistreatment of her. Yeah. <laughs> Where at one point they're engaged in a in a like a car chase, like a legitimate car chase. This is a little bit later, and she's like, "Are you like I've seen people die tonight? Like you beat the shit out of God knows how many rent a cops. Are you going to tell me what's going on now?" And he just like he's just staring straight ahead down the road, and he says, "No." What's the what's the harm? In, what's the harm in telling her? Like, listen, he already told her. Uh, Actually, I mean, if he was to tell her the whole thing, he's like, listen, the ex-president of Valverde has got my daughter. Oh, he wants yeah, me to yeah, kill yeah. the president president, uh, president of Valverde so that he can get back in power. She's like, what, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, yeah. Well, this was this was the mid-'80s. I don't know that they were ready to give Arnold that much dialogue. Yeah, no. Um, and actually, that lends itself quite well to this film. Like, like, him being a man of few words actually works very well in this, especially because, like I said, he's he's fucking funny. <laughs> like he doesn't say much but every time he does it's pretty fucking funny i think his best movie where he has a lot of dialogue and it works is true lies because he's he has quite a bit of dialogue in that movie yeah no i mean arnold later on like beyond 1985 he no. he certainly became quite quite good on screen as a speaking actor and stuff but at this point in his career like i would imagine some producers and stuff would be a little cagey about the idea of like oh, why'd you give him all the lines <laughs> It's <laughs> like really that guy um but yeah uh he like like nick had said this is him demonstrating uh his superpower of superhuman strength he very casually tears the seat <laughs> out of her of her of her mercedes yeah and just tosses it in the parking lot and the reason he does this is so he can sit lower so he will stay out of sight but he doesn't, really do that. Funny. he doesn't do that he doesn't do that he doesn't even do that he's still <laughs> sitting in the car yeah yeah, he's still plainly visible, and he's yeah. still gigantic. Yes. <laughs> and that fucking haircut is visible from a mile away. Dude, all you could, all you'll you never see me. Put the seat down. Yeah, put like, the, put seat the seat back. back. <laughs> no, he doesn't do that. Pulls um, the goddamn seat out. But he basically forces her to drive after Sully, who takes off in a banana yellow car, and uh, they drive around, and they arrive at Kyle. Do you want to say the name of the next location here? No, oh, Kyle's giving me stink eye. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> He's still hurt from earlier. Uh, we arrive at the Galleria. <laughs> the Galleria? Yeah. Thank you. You do it better than me. Has That's to be. what I was trying to get you to do. You have to say it two times. Yeah. <laughs> We're, and, you know, there's probably, like, uh, Bobby Budnick in, like, a stroller or something in the scene. <laughs> um, but... 
yeah, we arrive there, and Sully has like a suitcase that he's bringing into the the Galleria, um, and he's doing some sort of deal. Like I think it's money for passports or something. Yeah, there's some kind of exchange. Uh, are you still working on your Christmas Sour Patch Kids, Nick? Good job. Uh, he got a lot of Sour Patch Kids for Christmas. I wasn't sure if they were still going. Yeah, there's some kind of exchange here, and Arnold still has control of this woman, Cindy, and he's just like, yeah, so you're going to go follow him. She's like, he was sexually harassing me. He's like, you're going to go follow him. Uh, <laughs> at this it. point, if I were her, I'm like, I would just, yeah, I would Do just. Do it. <laughs> he, no, he doesn't have a weapon. Like, you can just run. Like, he's not going to do anything. But she does it, but she, yeah, she goes up and uh, she, she sees him and runs back out and tells a cop. And, uh, I mean, if I were Sully, he's supposed to be a mercenary. I'm like, the lady I was harassing at the, at the airport is followed me to the mall. Like, what are the odds? Huh? (laughs) Well, this scene is, well, I mean, this scene is amazing, but, um, this scene also demonstrates, uh, how, how unfortunate it is for screenwriters that we have cell phones now, Mm. um, because cell phones complicate everything like horror movies in particular. Now it's like impossible to isolate people in a film without without having some sort of lip service paid to why it is they can't contact anyone in the outside world and similar in a similar sense uh, in this film we have a situation where john Ma- john matrix would have been shit out of luck if sully had a cell phone basically <laughs> because yeah. the the way this goes down is absolutely hilarious by today's standards because she she actually does both tasks yeah. like she she alerts the police in the mall and she doesn't actually go up to talk to Sully, but he comes towards her on, like on accident, basically. And then he notices John Matrix because the cops come up to him and are like kind of investigating. They're like, hey, where, who are you? What are you doing here? Why are you so goddamn big? Yeah. <laughs> like steroids, <laughs> lots, lots of them. <laughs> Too big. Um, and Sully's reaction is to look at her and be like, hey, I know you. And then he sees John Matrix and he's like, give me a quarter. And he starts like, digging <laughs> yeah. through her pockets for a quarter because he needs to use a fucking payphone. Yeah, and this <laughs> is the uh, equivalent of Leonardo DiCaprio trying to get the phone away from Jonah Hill and Wolf of Wall Street where he's just trying to get to Sully. And these cops are just like just like, hold, like holding him back. Uh, he does, I do like this, Sully gets into the phone booth, starts to make the call, shoots one bullet at John Matrix, and then John Matrix just comes up to the uh, phone booth, and, like, he's still just got the gun. Like, he's right there. Just shoot him. And, yeah. And then no, he goes body... <laughs> he goes full Andre the Giant and just picks up this tube and body slams it. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. incredible. It's pretty incredible. He... He literally does a Samoan drop to a telephone booth with a person in it. It's kind of amazing. Um, I was about to say, if you're too squeamish to look up what an actual bear attack video is, this is a good simulation of Can what those look smell? like. <laughs> no, it's literally what John a Samoan Matrix drop. is cooking. Yeah, <laughs> it's incredible. It, this whole sequence is kind of incredible because <laughs> we've we've definitely seen this exact action beat play out in many many action movies. Like a lot of detective movies and a lot of suspenseful movies and stuff. This is not that kind of movie. No. Um, no. We get, like Kyle said, like it's like a clown car of, <laughs> of security guards and stuff. Yeah. Like just, it's like the putty patrol just arrive okay. out of nowhere. So my, my note. Jackie Ch- Go for it. No, I said my note I put on this scene is everyone's assaulting cops. That's That was my scene. I've never, <laughs> I, I don't know what's going on, why there's so many cops, but they're there. But does Kyle, it, go ahead. Does it sh- she flip him over the balcony? Like yes. She just, She's like, <laughs> no. And she pushes these people him. Are, these, are, 
these aren't I real. love him. <laughs> these aren't real. Yeah, really. She does a 180 real quick. But uh, John Matrix has a Jackie Chan moment here. So he is trying to slide down to an elevator, get onto an elevator. What is, I think, is it a giant inflatable tube? Like, it, it's not even attached to anything, it looks like. It's, um, I, I don't it's even some, know. Some sort of balloon decoration that's shaped like a, a tube. Jackie Chan, Jackie Chan's going down like a big flag that's attached to scaffolding, and like, like this thing has got tape on it, I think. But him trying to just get over the edge, like it's a weird shot because you can barely see him. All you can see is just like a ton of brown suits just all around him, and he's just like, <laughs> like just trying to whack them all, get rid of them. Yeah, no, he he punches the lights out of many cops, and like I said, I love the the flopping and the selling that these guys do. Like all of these stunt players deserve like a, a round of applause because they get thwacked in the face and they go fucking flying. Like there's no wire rig on them, but they still like hurl themselves backwards and they make it look like John Matrix has the strength of ten men. Um, <laughs> and my favorite beat in the choreography though is then when they all dogpile him. Yeah. And he literally does the incredible ah! thing. <laughs> it's well, so stupid. We all did it. Well, it's so stupid. <laughs> it's funny, Lou Ferrigno, uh, they were kind of, not adversaries, but like in the, during the bodybuilding uh, like competition days, like Lou Ferrigno was like his, that was his competition. So when was the Incredible Hulk TV show? In the 70s. Okay. I think it was the late 70s or mid 70s. Yeah. Um, because I'm like, aside from that, we haven't really had someone this beefed out on screen before. Like, he was kind of a big deal at the time. Absolutely. Yeah, go ahead, Bob. No, No, it's funny you mentioned that, being in competition with other people, because, uh, not to jump ahead, maybe we can save this for later, but I'm pretty sure the ending has something to do with being in competition with other actors at the time. But we'll I get to that later. Right. <laughs> I think you're absolutely right. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, there's some direct like, mm-hmm. winks uh, yep. at, at the audience and, in fact, probably other studios, <laughs> like other producers. But, um, yeah, the, the small sequence is wonderful. Like Kyle said, it ends with a Jackie Chan-worthy stunt um, where it's basically a Tarzan swing onto a moving elevator, which hats off to that stunt guy. He, yeah. he stuck the landing. He made it look so fucking easy. I was like, <laughs> he if, made if, it look fun. I was like, if John Matrix tried to do this in real life, he would drop like an anvil. Like, it would just... <laughs> Like it would not we'll have made to the elevator. We'll see because Arnold wasn't spe- because John because Schwarzenegger wasn't speaking that much at this point in his filmography. Unfortunately, we aren't treated to it oh, <laughs> he, yeah. as he's flying oh, through the air. Yeah. Um, that wouldn't come till a little bit later because you know Terminator doesn't make <laughs> noises. Um, but you know later on we get that in more of his films. But that would have been perfect. In fact, you could easily just dub that over this whole movie and it would work just fine that whole gladiator scene in his first gladiator fight in conan the barbarian oh when he doesn't mm-hmm. know how to fight god yeah yeah the whole it's just <laughs> it is, <laughs> for 10 minutes yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah there's a lot of that in those movies but, um this this sequence immediately transitions into a car chase which as i mentioned earlier has that funny comedic beat where she's you know Radon Chong is a little bit perturbed. You know, she just saw a bunch of cops get shot because Sully was just spraying and praying, essentially. Yeah. Um, and Matrix, you know, thankfully was just punching people in the nuts and throwing them, <laughs> you know, off balconies. <laughs> Nothing fatal, but, you know. <laughs> um, but finally, the car chase ends with a... Uh, them dying? Yeah. Uh, she... 
She did not have a seatbelt. Ne- neither one of them airbag. had a neither one of them had a seatbelt. Yeah. No seatbelts, no airbags, and like hard cut as soon as they crash into that telephone pole. Are you okay? <laughs> it's like, and then he casually gets out of the car, but Sully's his like Porsche or whatever gets turned over on its side, and uh, Arnold just casually extracts him from the vehicle, and we have a little bit of an interrogation scene here, and this is probably my very favorite, maybe moment, but definitely line in the entire movie. Um, and this is a callback to earlier in the film at the airport where where we are introduced to Sully and Arnold just looks at him just like completely dead faced. And he's like, you're a funny guy, Sully. I like you. <laughs> That's why I'm going to kill you last. <laughs> and then we get this classic moment here where Arnold picks him up by one leg and hang, hangs him over a cliffside. And he reminds him that this is my weak arm, Sully. <laughs> You're getting very heavy. <laughs> but a- after he reminds Sully that, you know, everything you just told me was bullshit. <laughs> I already don't know that. He tells him, like, remember when I said I was going to kill you last? I lied. <laughs> I was pretty happy about him. that. I was actually... one of the best death screams in cinema history. <laughs> <laughs> I was relieved that he died so early. Yeah, no, he had to go quick. He had to. It reminds me of uh, True Lies with Bill Paxton. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when he gets backhanded in the fucking face. Oh, yeah. Speaking Get lost. Which, Bill Paxton is actually in here. I forgot about that. Yeah. Get- yeah. Yeah, he has a very small role in this movie, and I think that's a really cool connection because uh, James Horner you know, scored Aliens, and Bill Paxton would, of course, be in Aliens very shortly after. But you know, Bill Paxton and Arnold, they were both in Terminator together. Mm-hmm. So maybe Arnold got him in on it i forgot he was like in maybe, that maybe he was like i, I know a guy he's good at getting killed <laughs> i feel like <laughs> <It's> bill paxton <laughs> the bill paxton i feel like uh i feel like bill paxton would be fun to hang out with that'd be that'd be yeah. a fun duo to hang out with yeah it's my specialty <laughs> get lost dipshit uh. no bill paxton is sorely missed I, yeah. he's one of those guys um that i would very much like to do a deep dive on his filmography because every time I see him, I'm like, damn it. (laughs) Every single time. And he's in so many good movies, but um, this is where the movie really picks up some momentum, thankfully, um, because uh, Arnold, yeah, kind of. Yeah. We're (laughs) getting there. Yeah. The, the length between action beats shrinks is, is I guess what I'm getting at here where before we had a whole bunch of stupid suspenseful, shots like not even sequences just long stupid shots of sully walking around and being sleazy but now it's just like nope we gotta go we gotta go um and basically they go to a motel where bill duke was hanging out with sully um and uh they uh, both cindy and john matrix like root through this motel room to find clues as to where the daughter might be um and bull duke shows up and she pretends uh, arnold tears her blouse off yeah. <laughs> God, he's terrible to her. Yeah. <laughs> like, why did she stick around with him as long as she did? Um, but he basically uh, tells her to pretend that she just had a good time with Sully, and he turns on like the shower to trick Bill Duke. And uh, we have a big fight scene here. And uh, Nick, I think you said you had a couple of comments about this sequence here. You, you know, the the problem I had was I was at work and I looked down, and I think I was halfway in between the fight with with Arnold and, and, and Bill Duke. And, oh gosh, I hope my boss. Once again, I hope my boss never listens to this. But <laughs> <laughs> I got to the part where they're fighting and they're trading one-liners, and uh, 
what's her face? Cindy was like, she was like, Cindy, oh gosh, yeah. these guys, they, they eat way too much red meat. I'm like, what's happening? And then there's two <laughs> naked people on a bed. I'm like, what did I, what did I miss? Uh, nothing. <laughs> that's that's the movie. Um, basically, um, because because these two guys uh, are on all the roids and are two beefy individuals, when they hit, when they throw each other up against walls, the walls come down. <laughs> so oh, Bill Duke right gets in. like he get he gets kicked through the door to the adjoining motel room where you know a, a couple of people are banging. Um, so boobs, a, yeah, 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 boobs. Because mid eighties, why not? Yeah. Um, Interestingly enough, they, the movie doesn't draw attention to them. They're just, no. just uh, incidental. You know, bo- it's incidental. Incidental boobs. Yeah. <laughs> incidental boobage. Um, but yeah, this this fight is. I mean, it's a clumsy '80s fight between two guys who are too big to fight. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> like too big to move well. I want to. Um, but I, I'm sorry, ahead. the boobs. Uh, I want to <laughs> say it, it, the exact opposite. The exact. The exact opposite is marked marked for death, where Steven Seagal uh, like opens up the door and his partner gets shot by a lady with a top off, and she like slams the door. Seagal shoots her through the through the room. She dies, and then he has to go in there and look at the naked, the dead boobs, and then walk away. So classic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a thing in a lot of Steven Seagal movies. He's yeah, a, yeah, he's a creep. Yeah, yeah, yeah he, he's and a criminal. A per- yeah, yeah, he's not a good person. Yes, um, yeah, he's not a good person, but. Uh, this fight scene is, you know, it's a typical barroom brawl style choreography, but we have some lovely one-liners here about, you know, green berets and I eat green berets for breakfast and all that stuff. But uh, the the other gem in here, the one that I think takes the cake, though, is the <laughs> fuck you, asshole. So Bill Duke recovers a gun that gets knocked away from him earlier in the fight. It's a revolver, but, like, keep that in mind. Uh, he's spraying all over the room, not hitting anyone. And he points at Arnold, he says, fuck you, asshole, and then he pulls the trigger, and it goes, Chick! and yeah. Arnold's response is, his eyebrows flick up, when he says, he's like, fuck you, asshole, <laughs> fuck you, asshole, and then he slugs him in the face, but uh, the way Bill Duke meets his end here it was always puzzling to me, um, I know what happened, but it's very poorly communicated to you on a visual level, so basically he gets knocked over, and he falls backwards, um, and he's impaled by uh, a, the leg of a table, um, which I guess got turned upside down or something in the commotion. Ah! But at no point in the edit do we ever get like a shot dedicated no, to showing yeah. the table being present, like being something to be cautious of. So it just kind of happens, and then you're like, oh, that is that is an object protruding from that man's <laughs> chest. <laughs> he is dead. Yeah, yeah he just kind of sc- he screams, and you're like, oh. Uh, what happened? And they're like, oh, uh, okay, I guess I mean, he, he was he, impaled. <laughs> he falls out of frame. Yeah, yeah. He falls out of frame, and it's almost like like maybe maybe he rolled an ankle while they were shooting <laughs> yeah. at the scene, and they couldn't think of a way to end the scene. So they're, they're just like, what do we got? What do we got? It's like, well, we have a, we have this table leg. It's like, I, we can like hot glue it to his shirt and then uh, put some blood on it. And yeah, that, that's how he died. Yeah, <laughs> move on. Yeah. Um, but the, the real like takeaway from this scene is that bill duke is now dead the guy who like, was shown to be fairly badass at the beginning of this movie so that's one of the big heavies in the cast off the table um but on top of that we in- investigate his vehicle and we find like an invoice for uh i think it's fuel and uh because we have a flight attendant who is in flight school at the time uh 
along with Arnold, she points out to him what this invoice is for. Um, and they come to the conclusion that, oh, that there must be an airplane or something uh, that maybe has maps that'll tell us where your daughter is. Um, and so we we casually come across like a warehouse like drug slash gun operation. We have a sort. tank yeah. building operation. Yeah, a tank building operation, and we do nothing about it. By the way, you never thought about the noise, you bitch. Like, 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 the, like the. I feel like you have to have a really like a, a very like out in the middle of nowhere warehouse where we're building uh, tanks. They're in like this. Like just kind of on this the outskirts like LA of the city. Or some yeah, shit. <laughs> outskirts of the city, and it's like yeah. it's like jam packed. Like I feel like there's more of like a conveyor belt system going on here, more of an assembly line. Now they're just putting together tanks. Yeah, these guys make the Foot Clan look like you know a second tier operation when it comes to sleazy shit going on in the city. But uh, yeah, they're literally building a fucking tank here. Yeah. Um, and th- by the way, the movie never addresses this. No. Like we never come back here. This is never resolved. Um, but we, we sneak into the back room here, and we do find a map that uh, gives us the coordinates to a nearby island. And uh, Kyle actually expressed some confusion about this, and I, I totally understand why. Um, because there's so much talk of Valverde and the 11-hour time limit before the plane lands, and they figure out that Arnold's not on the plane. Uh, the actual finale of the movie takes place on the island that they found on those charts, which is fairly close to where we are in California. Um but we get this stupid sequence. It's this weird cock tease moment where we get like the suiting up montage, but too early in the movie. And it's almost like the editor or the producers were like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We, we're not at feature length yet. We need more movie. Because yeah. <laughs> we, we, we do the Terminator deal where we smash into a gun store that has yeah. all the guns. And oh, a, a superpower that if you don't have it written down, Nick, is that he, he has the ability to sense... Uh, trap doors that are activated via switches behind the the, the cashier's desk I didn't get that. <laughs> yeah he goes through and he's like he has Don chong pushing a shopping cart and he's just like loading it with tools and stuff he's like i need flippers <laughs> i need a vest i need a hoodie <laughs> but then he gets to the like the cashier's desk and he like feels around under it and you hear a click and then a secret door opens <laughs> with extra guns <laughs> yeah yeah this it's is the fucking stupid. the sporting goods. I don't even know. I, I think I missed this because once again I was at work. Sorry, boss. Uh, but what was it? A sporting goods store? What exactly did he bust into? I I, I missed that part. I, th- I, I think it's I think it's advertised as an army surplus. Okay. Um, which I, I wouldn't think would have a four-tube missile launcher. <laughs> I was going to say, it had everything he ever needed for an island assault, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the reason I say this is a cock tease moment is that we get him loading a shopping cart, multiple shopping yeah. carts full of weapons, and then the cops show up, and he gets put into a van. <laughs> I was, yeah, because I, I was stoked. I was like, oh, man, he is suiting up. This is a kid in a candy shop. I'm ready to go. Er, here comes the cops. I'm like, oh. Uh, yeah, and he okay. gets put in a van, and what's also weird about this is this situation is resolved almost instantaneously. Yeah. Because Cindy... Uh, follows the van and uh, uses the aforementioned four tube <laughs> missile launcher on the van. She misses once. She does miss once. She shoots it backwards. <laughs> you know, but she says she read the instruction manual. She figured it out. She's a sharp gal. 
and she just shoots the van. This chick yeah. is ride or fucking die. Like she, <laughs> she is in it. She is in it for the long haul. Yeah, she's pushing cops downstairs. She's shooting cop vans with missiles. <laughs> he doesn't. He doesn't make out with. He doesn't make out with her at the end, does he? Like, no. okay, no. why? This is this is your this is your replacement mom. Like this is this lady's <laughs> got it. This, all. this lady will take care of you and yours. She has shed <laughs> blood for a dude she's known for four hours. <laughs> yeah, no, she is a keeper. She's shot at cops as an African American woman in Los Angeles. <laughs> she went from pushing cops to shooting rocket launchers at cops. No problem. Uh. But yeah, she no she just problem. assumes that shooting this rocket isn't going to kill Matrix. Yeah. It's merely going to flip the vehicle. It's a real MacGruber <laughs> moment. Like he'll be fine. Oh no no no, no 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 no. <laughs> no, he very easily could have torn torn a limb off, you know, as he's shackled in the back of this tumbling fucking van. But uh, no, it it all works out because he's John Matrix. But yeah. the uh, funny detail here, Kyle. Uh, that I wanted to point out to you. Um, there are two cops driving driving in this van, esc- like taking Arnold to jail, presumably. The one guy is the send in the car guy ah, from Die Hard. <laughs> I was wondering, I'm like, that guy looks so familiar. That is send in, send in the car. Send in the car. <laughs> I may or may not be from Chicago in this L.A. movie. <laughs> he doesn't move his lips. Send in the send car. In the car. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you got it. But, yeah, it's totally him and, you know, same producer probably just a familiar face that they worked with a lot but uh yeah she saves john matrix and then they go back to trying to get to the island um and uh this is where we get the sequence i mentioned about the uzi where uh john matrix uh, is (laughs) uzi nine millimeter (laughs) 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 which is a line from terminator if folks at home are not aware that's right yeah we may end up having to do a Terminator masterclass or something someday, but yeah, Nick asked uh, about that. I don't know about that. I'll do <laughs> That's it. That's a man. lot. I have no qualms. Let's do it. Okay. No, there, there are far too many stinkers in that franchise. I start, <laughs> I'll have to start drinking again. Jeez. I mean, three. We'll do three. If if you, if I mean, if you make me rewatch Genesis, ouch. I can't. I didn't even finish the newest one, Dark Fate. I got half. I got to where Sarah Connor shows up, and I'm like, I'm done. I can't Dark do Dark Fate is it's it's a fart in the wind, but it's not offensive. Like Genesis actually <laughs> deeply offended me. Like it upset me in ways that I was not expecting to be upset. Um but yeah, we get in the seaplane, which made me think of fucking tailspin. Uh, it looks very, very similar to the plane in that show. Um I'll, it's probably too old for you guys. Uh, it's uh, Blue the Bear from the Jungle Book flying a fucking seaplane and uh, fighting the mafia. <laughs> it's pretty fucking great. It's a, no. it's a Disney cartoon from the oh, 90s. Okay. Mm. <laughs> Tailspin. We didn't grow, nope. we didn't oh, grow up with me. the Disney Channel. Yeah. Nope. Uh, it wasn't on Disney Channel, I don't think. I don't think they had a channel yet, actually, oh. back then. Um, this, it, I'm dating myself. But, um, yeah, we pile into the seaplane, and we use the Uzi 9mm to, to, fend, to fend off a Jeep that just will not explode. Like, the whole time, you're like, every other vehicle in any other movie of this type would have gone up in flames by now, but he just keeps shooting at it. Uh, <laughs> just keeps shooting. 
It's almost like that gag in uh, Hot Shots Part 2 where the shell casings are like up to Charlie Sheen's yeah. nipples, like piled up around him. <laughs> it's like he just has the trigger depressed no, no. in an endless <laughs> clip. You feel it because he shoots forever. And I'm like, okay, dude, you're not going to hit them, clearly. You're, if you haven't done it yet, you're not going to do it. It's an Uzi 9mm. It's just, it's fanning everywhere. But he just keeps going, man. He's like, no, I will hit them. Shoot like, the Jeep. <laughs> no, I mean he has an entire plane full of weapons. He easily could have just, you know, grabbed a different one or something. Or you know, like he's already demonstrated himself to be invincible. He could have just gotten out and walked up and punched the Jeep. I was just saying done the same thing. I said just jump out with a knife in your teeth and just fucking <laughs> just take care of or business. I mean I, I, mean, I saw him smash grab a pair of flippers. He could have just thrown the rubber flippers at them and the guy's head would have exploded. Or yeah. Something. yeah. <laughs> um, but long story short, we do take off and we head off towards the island. But around this time, Kyle, I don't know if you noticed this. This seemed like something you would key in on. Is we have frequent cutbacks to Alyssa Milano like in this back room of this mansion. Bored as just, fuck. Yeah. That looks she's so just farting bored. around. It's so bored. I'm just bored looking at her in this poor like this poor girl in this room. I'm, I'm, as the actress, I'm sure it was fine, but like as the character, I'm like I'd be losing my mind. It looks so boring in there. Yeah, I mean, you didn't even give her like a Rubik's cube, or like a, a, vis- a vision master or something. It's <laughs> a, a view master. It's an extraordinarily bright lit room with nothing to play with, like nothing. Yeah, yeah, she's she is clearly bored out of her mind. But we have these frequent cutbacks to her to remind us, the audience, that she's she's still there and she's in danger. But there's one of these cutbacks where it is the most pointless sequence I think I've ever seen in a film. Karate? Where, where she's just like sitting in the corner with her knees up against her chest. And then she gets up. She goes, she tests the doorknob. And then she walks back to the same spot and sits down. Yeah. And it's like a good solid minute of movie. It's like, what was that? <laughs> <laughs> that I, contributed nothing. I think I am now dumber. Thank you. <laughs> I think it's probably best that we put we keep her out of it as much as possible because remember, the point was for they took the girl so that he would do what they want. He immediately does not do what they want, putting her life in danger. So I think it's best that we forget that she's actually like a part of this. Like, just don't worry about her. Yeah, I mean, I understand from a logistical standpoint, like putting together a film, you you do need to have visual reminders of yeah. the stakes and whatnot. But there's nothing. Her, yeah, have her do something. Have her like smart off, <laughs> like 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 the yeah. Have her have her lip like show some lip or something. Like be like, hey, fuck you, dude, and like stuff like that. Like your fucking mustache looks stupid. What's up with your shirt? You look stupid. Like just kind of getting under Vern Wells' skin or something. Like just kind of bugging him. That'd been fun. Well, doesn't yeah, she have a I co- mean, in a different... Oh, but doesn't ahead. she have a couple parts where she's like, I can't wait for my dad to smash your face in or something like that? Yeah, she yeah, says that, that, Dan is... required. Yeah. <laughs> Dan Adaya. And Dan Adaya is just like... Okay. <laughs> like, he doesn't even make a facial expression. It does nothing. He just makes a face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's probably struggling with that accent, so he's trying to limit his dialogue or it's something. Like, Venezuela through Cuba. Okay, I think I got it now. Uh, yeah um but this is where i took note of uh carter from the lost world the jurassic park film uh is one of the goons in this film uh basically he and uh vernon wells have an exchange around here uh where vernon wells is like big man on campus he likes to belittle all the other goons and 
let them know that he's he's the final boss and everybody knows it he's morbid <laughs> he's morbidly obese is what he is is what he is i think it's so fascinating that his even his body language is just not threatening nothing not like as yeah, i'm saying nothing like, about him scares me <laughs> he's got a bloated belly and then like these tiny little arms and then a giant head it's just like <laughs> and then that must like you i'm sorry like sometimes a mustache is pretty intimidating his, his mustache is not intimidating it's goofy looking yeah it's, it's fred mercury looking. He, yeah yeah it, it, it i mean when, when he finally gets to talk and actually do acting he actually does have some intensity and menace to him but up until then, he's just like, "You're the you're the last boss." Yeah, like he's, <laughs> you're what we're building up to. His boss yeah. fight is fun. I do. It I is. Do enjoy it's his, great. Yeah, but it's great. It's the build up to it, though. It's like it's hard to get hyped until you're in it. But he's like licking his lips, just saying John Matrix under his breath the whole time, just like, "Oh, John but, Matrix. Oh, I but, can't but, wait to see John Matrix." But at any point, did you ever think that? he would actually be a serious contender for uh, John Matrix or Arnold. Nobody's a serious contender for Arnold. Nobody can. Nobody can. Nobody can. Come on. Yeah, no, in 1985, no. Like, Nobody. If, if you sign up to be the bad guy in an Arnold movie, you're not going to put up a fight. I mean, even Conan, look at Tulsa Doom. Yeah. He, 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 oh, he mean-mugged yeah. him for a second, then he got and they lost his head. <laughs> Maybe Sven Oli Thorson. Yeah. I love what they did with Sven in uh, The Running Man, where Arnold had killed him, I think, at least twice by then. He's killed him a lot. <laughs> he has killed him many He's times. He's killed Sven Oli Thorson a lot. But in that one, uh, Sven is like the security, like the head security guard for the actual villain of the film. And they have a moment where they like look at each other like they're about to throw down, and then Sven just says, I don't get paid enough for this, and he just leaves. <laughs> and it's like, oh, that's sweet. <laughs> but yeah, he has killed Sven Oli Thorson many a time. That's his career. Uh, in, fact, in fact, in 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 both Conan movies, yeah, uh, he's wearing a mask in Conan the Destroyer. Yeah, so they, yep, he is. They just pretend that's not Sven. That's totally not Sven. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you um, think they didn't have him talk because he definitely talks in Gladiator, and it's like the only time you've ever heard anybody that sounds even remotely similar to Arnold. Do you think that's why he never talks in his movies? Because they sound so similar? Those who are about to die, die. salute you. Salute you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But he has an awesome voice. I'm like, damn, I kind of wish does. he would talk more in his movies. Yeah. Yes. No, um, he, he has spoken in other films, but um, usually he's dubbed. Mm. Yeah, usually he's dubbed, though, as far as I know. Um, he um, he's in on Deadly Ground with uh, Steven Seagal, by the way. See, I was misremembering this. Uh, I was misremembering some of the the beginning sequences with uh, on Deadly Ground because we have some time in a cabin in that movie as well. So yes. I was like, "Where's John C. McGinley? Why is he not showing up yet?" I'm like, "This is yeah, weird. Why is he not crying while spelling team <laughs> and reminding me that there is no I in team?" I can't wait to get to on Deadly Ground. I can't wait to revisit that. <sighs> <laughs> remember folks at home steven seagal is not a good person um, but he has made yeah, kyle just pantomimed the feather a very key sequence yes. in that film wherein steven seagal is put into a trance oh a gosh. feather to the nose uh, yeah that movie is full of lots of uh good badness um are yeah, we steven seagal is not a good person i think we're, i think we're about to land here we're about to get get to the island yeah the eagle has landed uh this is where there's basically nothing more to say this is just uh john matrix unleashed uh so we land the plane uh, in the in the water so cindy is kept out of danger and uh 
John Matrix takes like an inflatable raft full of guns up to the beach. Uh, we get a beach landing, a solo beach landing in a speedo, by the way. It's a raft full of rampage. Oh, you haven't gotten that far. You haven't gotten that far in Archer yet. Gosh. Ah. Go no, I haven't, unfortunately. I need to get. But, you, uh, I need to get you. I need to get you that third season. Yeah, we're working. We're at, it's it's an annual tradition. <laughs> but uh, we get a suit up montage here, where lots of quick cuts, just very similar to his introduction in the film. Actually, it's just like isolated body parts and limbs and hands loading guns and stuff. <laughs> yeah, I think Joel Schumacher's Batman getting dressed, but not very similar. Not very quite similar. that focused. Yeah, <laughs> quote unquote focused. Yeah. <laughs> um, although he does take the time to uh, paint himself with camo. Dude, it's broad <laughs> fucking daylight. Like, why? <laughs> it doesn't matter what you're putting on. Actually, camouflage yeah. would have been better. He's wearing like all black. It's like, dude, it's the middle of the day in South America. Everybody can see you. Yeah, and and uh, he apparently shops at the same place that Rambo does for his clothes because. No sleeves. Yeah. <laughs> no sleeves. No armor needed on the arms. But um, yeah, he suits up, and uh, the first leg of the journey involves heading to a couple of uh, conveniently placed buildings of uh, questionable design integrity. <laughs> Where it's like, hmm, these uh, these buildings look kind of flimsy. I wonder why that is. <laughs> but uh, we actually get to see him do some stealth kills, uh, very similar to like a a Batman or a, or a solid snake from metal gear solid or something uh, a lot of knife work a lot of rambo-esque knife kills and stuff um but very quickly shit hits the fan in the form of a guy in a guard tower and uh, he just blasts this guy with by the way this is like not an assault rifle it's basically a machine gun <laughs> like like a, a a machine gun with a bipod and everything I, it's far too large for an ordinary man to handle i like <laughs> i like this guy's getting shot uh because there's no squibs or anything on him and he's just like doing the movements like the jiggles the jiggles doing the jiggle dance uh, it's pretty funny i was like uh that wasn't that wasn't very good but okay yeah there, there's a lot of that in this movie where it's like they probably didn't have time or money to actually rig people up with squib like explosive devices so yeah there's a lot of people just doing the jiggle dance and then crumbling to the floor like i used to do as a kid <laughs> these kills are pretty fun but i f i feel like it would have been just better if we did spend that time like really make this gruesome because we get some some throat slitting uh so uh, do we get any headshots there is a scalping i will say that there's one part where one guy he like when he's in the shed he throws something and it like Cuts oh. off the top of his head. <laughs> that's it, though. I did catch as that, far yeah. as headshots, that's that. I mean, that's it. Power yeah, saw. Whole, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The whole choreography of this scene is is absolutely ridiculous, and that's actually what makes it a lot of fun. Because it like, is. Yeah. Nobody takes cover. Everybody's. It's just <laughs> walls of humanity throwing themselves at John Matrix while he just mows them down, and like he's just shooting from the hip and he just can't miss and these guys can't hit <laughs> and there's plenty of people rigged on trampolines they're doing like somersaults through the air whenever he's tossing grenade yeah, yeah, yeah. they're doing like the triple lindy up triple in the air it's fucking spinning <laughs> yeah it, it's it looks like figure skating but with explosives um everybody's getting shot and I like that John Matrix can't be bothered to reload anything. He just drops the weapon and moves on to the next. So he, he exhausts his ammunition with the machine gun. He just tosses it aside. He pulls out a shotgun. He starts blasting people with that. And then, miraculously, he actually gets hit. And this is 
completely shocking. Like you, it's hard to imagine John Matrix suffering any harm or damage, <laughs> and and it actually happens. He like a, a stray grenade goes off oh. near him, and he gets like nicked in the side or something. I've been and hit. He, like kind of casually, he, he's like, oh, I got been injured. Oh, I must seek cover. I must seek cover in the shack in the, in the courtyard. I'm in a lot of pain. <laughs> I'm in pain. This isn't right. <laughs> I'm bleeding from the wound. <laughs> and this is where we get the scene that Nick had mentioned, where he takes cover in like a, a garden tool shed. And this is a brilliant beat in the choreography because he's out of weapons. I think he even used a No, he's I think he uses a pistol at one point as well. Of course, it's a it's a fucking desert eagle because it's Arnold. You can't just put a puny <laughs> handgun in his hand. Yeah, it has to be a giant gorilla <laughs> handgun. <laughs> Otherwise, it'll look weird. But yeah basically they they spray the the shed with like tons of bullets and he like he's like up in the rafters of the shed (laughs) he would have been shot this is what i don't understand from die hard and die hard fucking carl just fucking mows down the vent i'm like john would have been shot i don't understand how he didn't get hit he definitely would have been shot so then this i'm like Oh, he's oh he he snuck out the back like he he like snuck out and was like hiding behind a tree he's like oh no 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 he was just like a few feet up I'm like yeah no he was just like slightly yeah. above the line that they were shooting at and they open the door and he like stabs a dude with a pitchfork and then he uses an axe that's in there and the the real the real icing on top though is the the slicing not of the entire head or like the top of the head but just like skimming the hairline of mm-hmm. a dude with a like a table saw blade or something yeah. <laughs> it's pretty fantastic um and somebody put some time and effort into the makeup effects and this is also where uh hey carter from lost world uh, gets his arm chopped off with a machete presumably mm. um and the the next leg of of the choreography here is a uh, paying reference um very very obviously or maybe even kind of spitting in the eye of the rambo franchise Mm -hmm. Uh, because like i said arnold ran out of all of his guns so he steps out of out of the shed and he grabs whatever's near him and it happens to be an m60 which (laughs) of course it's impossible (laughs) to it's impossible to think of like 80s action hero without thinking of someone casually carrying a machine gun like a machine gun not not an assault rifle and like having a bandolier of ammo like either slung across their arm or across their chest or something it's just a really it's an utterly iconic image that as far as i understand uh first blood was kind of the originator of this particular like archetype of action cinema but seeing arnold do the same trick but as a beefier like more actiony guy than stallone even <laughs> is i think it's deliberately like a challenge like a shot across the bow of that particular franchise well the the difference is, is arnold can actually talk in movies and you can understand him uh i actually associate the uh the the uh, belt of ammo i always associate that with uh hot shots because of charlie sheen with that and because i i never watched it but i remember the cover i remember the vhs tape had him uh, with the gun in that pose in the Rambo pose, yeah, yeah, or either that or with the chicken on the on the boat. on the yeah. <laughs> but no, I I mentioned it on the Rambo episode actually. Like I I do have that problem where I, I get hot shots confused with Rambo sometimes. Is that any good? Is it like could I watch it now and still find it funny? Hot shots part two. Yeah, I can't speak for the first one, but uh, the second one was the first comedy I made my my girlfriend watch. And she 
loved it maybe even more than I did, and really? I had a grand old time revisiting it. Uh, I miss I miss that brand of humor so much. That 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 sight sight gag like gag a sec like every second kind of movie where there's not a serious bone in it. We liked Leslie Nielsen. We liked Spy Hard. I think that's the only Leslie Nielsen movie we watched. So I try to catch clips of uh, the Naked Gun, and it's fucking hilarious. Oh yeah. I, I oh love yeah. Naked no, Gun, the, yeah. Naked Gun movies are great. Yeah. I'm gonna put. And hot they shots. even had a. I, I can never remember the name of the show, but um, Naked Gun was actually preceded by a TV show uh, using the same character and the same concept. But it was a television show, and uh, the one thing I know for sure about it is that they, they end every episode with a false freeze frame, where like instead of, instead of like an actual freeze frame, all the actors just stop moving. You can see them like kind of like shaking just a little bit as the credits play. <laughs> it's, a, it's a lovely recurring gag, but yeah, Naked Gun... All of those are great, and you know, Spy Hard and Wrongfully Accused. Those are those are good fun too. I, I miss that airplane style comedy. The first <laughs> the first two scary movies are really funny spoof movies. After that, it goes pretty off the rails. Not good, but uh, yeah, I, we forget like what a comedic treasure Leslie Nielsen was. Yeah, his his particular brand of deadpan is amazing. Yeah. Like, like I'm glad I'm glad I ended up watching Airplane as early in my life as I did because a lot of that really stuck with me. He he was in Scary Movie. He was in like the third or fourth one. He's like the president or something, right? Yeah, like yeah, he has the aristocrats. Have you gone insane? Like a fox? <laughs> what the hell is that? Yeah, yeah. He, it, I think he played basically the same character that Lloyd Bridges did in Hot Shots, where he's like the incompetent president. <laughs> Yeah, I might watch Hot Shots tonight. Hot Shots Part Two tonight. Do I need to see the first one to know what's happening? No, no. (laughs) (laughs) No, what are you stupid (laughs) idiot? Idiot. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, uh, do either of you remember how Dan Hedaya meets his end here? I was eating tacos. Okay, well, um, it's actually kind of a fun little gunfight. It feels like straight out of Time Crisis if you're familiar with that arcade game. Where it's 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 like a video game boss fight where we kind of like maneuver through this mansion while we're taking pot shots at each other. And there's actually a really cool shot where Arnold like like strafes across like a series of windows and Dan Hedaya like it's clearly his stunt double. He's not that nimble. <laughs> he like he runs from the gunfire and like all the windows shatter like just behind him. It's it's well coordinated, but uh, long story short, uh he corners Dan Hedaya on top of like a balcony and they he like does a tactical roll <laughs> out into the open and blasts him with a shotgun and uh in true 80s movie bad guy fashion he not only gets shot to death he has to fall out a window like a second or third story window into his own garden it's pretty great um if, you know if that's called doing it right when you're doing a movie like this but um skip forward a few minutes and we get to the final confrontation so Alyssa milano uh, has escaped from her holding uh, using like a doorknob that she tore off or something, something like she, that. Yeah. yeah, she escapes and she takes off running. And Vernon Wells, amidst all the chaos and stuff, uh, has basically been chasing her down. And uh, they go down into like Freddy Krueger's playpen. Uh, it's, a, it's a boiler room. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yep, pretty much. <laughs> um, which is kind of funny because, like, from a lighting standpoint, this whole sequence looks like it's from a totally different movie. This looks yeah. like it's from Jack Slater Four or something, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> with the, the Tom Noonan character. Yeah, the <laughs> reaper, yeah. Yeah, um, but yeah, uh, do either of you want to explain how, 
not 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 the fight itself, but like the exchange that happens just before we get to fighting. I don't. I'll do it. <laughs> uh, so Kyle had uh, asked me uh, some questions, or not asked questions, but he had mentioned uh, the characterization of uh, of Bennett. Um, seem seemed like it had a few more layers to it than maybe the production was aware of. Um, but then I I did a little bit of research and apparently no, like they actually did know that there were some homoerotic uh, elements to this performance mm. and this character. Uh, so it's something that it wasn't an accident. It's clearly there. Everybody can see it. Um, but yeah, we have a situation where Matrix's daughter is being held hostage by Bennett, and Bennett has him at gunpoint, and I think he actually shoots John. Uh, matrix in the arm uh, which is important because that plays a part in how the fight plays out so uh, john matrix is now wounded and he's taking cover and bennett has him cornered with a handgun and matrix like talks him down and he comes out from from out of cover with his big old rambo knife he's like you don't want to shoot me bennett you want, you want to stick me with you want to stick want me to with the knife and to and turn it <laughs> and uh bennett is making some curious faces at him yeah he's yeah. uh he's like switch he's like switching on like yeah i do think they were like on a do you think they were on a mission together and like uh dutch popped that shirt off and he's like well i guess i'm into that <laughs> 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 No. I, I think I like him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. It, he's clearly supposed to appear conflicted. Yeah. He's, he's still holding the gun, but Vernon Wells is overacting the shit out of this. Yeah. And it's actually kind of delightful because, ah. like, his face is just contorting into all these different yeah. weird, exaggerated expressions, and you can tell that he he is kind of turned on, but he also kind of hates this guy, but he's also kind of turned on. Yeah. <laughs> And eventually, yeah, he does talk him down. He he basically uh, gets so frustrated to the point that he's like, I don't need a gun to kill you, John. I'll kill you with a knife. <laughs> and yeah, uh, they they has knife fight. Uh, him screaming when he's getting electrocuted is so funny. <laughs> yeah, I actually wrote I actually ah! wrote an entire <laughs> I actually wrote an entire article about just the scene. Really. Uh, yeah, there was a stretch when I was unemployed, so I made it my 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 mission to uh, look for work. And in the days where I didn't find work, I would write a blog post every day. Yeah. And I did I did I did a write up of this uh, <laughs> because I, I found the sequence fascinating. I did like a, a beat by beat breakdown of it, so I know this scene very very well. But um, yeah, I, I I compared him being electrocuted to like Blanca from Street Fighter or King Kong from King Kong versus Godzilla, where it's like, how does one get electrocuted and then come back stronger? Because yeah, he totally not... no sells it. Like he comes off of the off of the electrical generator and just starts hammering away on John Matrix. He's powered There's up, something... man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's invigorated. <laughs> I mean, I've been shocked before by an electric fence, and it does like it does wake you up. Like, oh fuck. Uh, I don't think it does this though, but there's something I've seen this before in another movie. But I'm not sure why it happens, but we have the two hand swing punch. It does nothing. I've tried it as a kid. I'm like, like you get no power from that. Yeah, in wrestling terminology, that's called a double axe handle, and normally it's done, you know, like overhead, like like an axe, like swinging an axe. But the way Bennett does his is sideways. Yeah, it's a strike. And I, 
and I noted in my in my, that blog post I wrote all those years ago that he hits him in the tit. <laughs> <laughs> That's not going to do anything. Yeah, it's, especially to John Matrix, what's made of iron. But yeah, he hits him in the nipple with with a sideways double axe handle. It's bizarre. Quick, but, quick, uh, quick question: Doesn't Wes ride with a young boy on the back of his bicycle? He absolutely does. A young boy with blonde hair and I think ashless chaps. Huh. <laughs> Kyle, <laughs> wheels are turning. Yeah, we could write an article about uh, Vernon, <laughs> Vernon Wells. No, the only other thing I can recall Vernon Wells in, um, he was on a sh- he was on a Power Rangers show uh, several years after I stopped caring. Um, but I just remember like coming across an ep- I think it was like Time Force or something. So you were like eight? Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. This was this was like when I was a teenager or something. But. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it, that was when they were filming the show in, I think, New Zealand. And because he's an Aussie, he was probably you know fairly local to the area. So it's like, shit, hmm. why not? And I think they even did like a, a Mad Max parody episode of that show just because they had him. Um, but he always struck me as like an actually good actor. It's just I, I haven't seen his movies. But um, yeah, I did like that um, Bennett is supposed to be like the second toughest on that former anti-terrorist team or whatever that matrix had assembled uh apparently he was kicked off the team at some point that's actually why he has beef with john um there may be more to that that isn't in the script but um anyway uh i did like that they pay lip service to the fact that he actually is supposed to be a legitimate threat by like demonstrating that he does seem to have similar superpowers to john matrix yeah because like there's that bit where they're like fighting around the furnace and ever so casually, he tears the like the steel door off of the furnace <laughs> and starts using it to hit John Matrix. It's like a it's like a WWF hardcore match, like mm-hmm. a, a literal boiler room brawl, which is in fact a kind a kind of wrestling match. I do like how uh, Wes meets his end. Uh, it's pretty funny. There's no momentum behind this this strike, so he's about to shoot John Matrix, and John just like eh, fuck it. And knocks a pipe off the ceiling, <laughs> and just, just like point blank throws it into his sternum, like just throws it into his chest, and it like knife through butter just through this guy's chest. It's- yeah, I I love how how casual and how how seamless it is. Yeah, like there's there, you, there's no thought process. He's just like pipe. Dude, chest <laughs> done. <laughs> and he just he just yeah. one it's, he knew he could tear that off the wall, and two he knew he could throw it hard enough to get it, it straight. It's through not his even a, a pipe that could. <laughs> you didn't think of that, uh, <laughs> but this pipe is like fucking twelve inches around. Like it's a huge pipe. Like, it, it doesn't penetrate the skin easily. Like it... no, my my point is like your ordinary human being, your non John Matrix caliber human being would not would not think of that as an option no they would see a pipe and acknowledge oh that's sturdy <laughs> like, it's like there's no way i'm going to make use of that in any way moving on but no he just casually looks at the wall and he's like <laughs> this movie, i feel like it would have been 10 times more awesome if we had those like uh those out of nowhere tarantino deaths where you're just like oh shit that got violent real quick like Hugo Stieglitz just stabbing a dude in the face with a pillow. Like, whoa, we were we were just kind of chilling and talking a second ago. But yeah, I, I wanted this to be like that violent, like disgusting last kill. And it's kind of disappointing. Yeah. How, how did you feel about this death, Nick? Because, I mean, 
You've no, seen no, no. a few action it's, movies. <laughs> it's still an awesome death. Sorry, it's still an awesome death. It's just I wish we spent a little more time on the practical effects here. You know, I, I watched this so late. I, honestly, all I was thinking of was I think Tomorrow Never Dies, the James Bond in death, where he he I think he does the same thing where he saps him with a pipe. But when I was watching this, all I was focused on was my kill count. So. <laughs> I was kind yeah, of you want to fill us in on that, Nick? Because uh, un- unlike Kyle and I, Nick actually kept a legitimate kill count while he was well, watching this. I remember that. when I watched this the first time, I'm like, this movie is ridiculous. He kills so many people in the last uh, what, 10 minutes, maybe. And so I was like, I'm going to keep a kill count. I'm going to do it. And once again, sorry, boss. I know I'm supposed to be working, <laughs> but I did it. And I got to 76, and I didn't even include the two guys that Arnold knocked out in the table where he broke the glass. Didn't even count them. And I got to 76, and he was my 76th one. I was like, boom, circled it, 76th kill. I I knew how he was going to die, so I think I I, I wasn't phased by it as much. Gotcha. Yeah, I I love that the the choreography of the fight... um, is satisfying where we get a legitimate fight it starts off like evenly matched and then uh bennett starts doing like some chicken shit heel stuff where he starts using foreign objects more frequently and you know john matrix you know he's it's like optimus prime versus megatron it's like megatron's like throwing everything but the kitchen sink and optimus prime is still punching him it's like dude maybe you should just pick up a rock and you know go tit for tat with him but um my favorite beat in the choreography is again this movie has some of arnold's best one-liners um we get bennett beating up john after he's been electrocuted which of course makes bennett more powerful it must have something to do with the chainmail vest or something it empowers him rather than damages him but he starts beating up on john and he starts wiggling his fingers at him he starts using jazz hands on him he says you get no john <laughs> you get no john yeah it says he's getting old but like dude you look like in way worse shape and you look 10 years older than him yeah, but the 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 icing on the cake though is John has his back. He has like his face planted against the wall, and then he turns around and he says bullshit. <laughs> it's, it's the best comeback ever. And then we get this hilariously edited sequence because, mind you, John Matrix is supposed to be shot in the arm right here. So actually, if you pay attention, he's not using the one arm. It's kind of limp the whole fight. So he's just got the one womper, the one right hand, and he hits him with like a twenty punch combo with one hand so we're doing these like hard edits where it's just like yeah i did catch that yeah he's like he's like fun noodling him with one arm but the way it's edited it's just like so fucking fast i mean arnold just seems like a haymaker kind of guy so it's actually pretty incredible that this is is coming in that quickly no it's not humanly possible is what i'm getting at but yeah he, he is totally bob sapping these punches where he's no longer punching he's just turning his hip and letting his his fleshy limb slap into you <laughs> it's just all momentum but i just love that it's like it, if you count the thwack noises in that like three second stretch of time <laughs> it's it's all with one hand it's ridiculous um but yeah everything comes to an end with a uh, bennett escalating things to the as far as it can go basically where it's like i've cheated every way you can cheat in a fight no pocket sand <laughs> that that would have been so much better if at some point just like, pocket sand <laughs> or or 
even better, Japanese poison dust. I would say he wasn't he wasn't going against <laughs> I'm blind. <laughs> he wasn't fighting against Cactus Jack, so yeah. Maybe. Yeah, exactly. Or uh, fluorescent lighting tube. That's that's the go-to, <laughs> but um he's used every trick in the book so the the end of the road is of course a gun so now it's like we had our gentlemanly scrap i know i'm losing so now i pull out a gun and of course john matrix's response is is to match pipe against gun (laughs) (laughs) but in true hero fashion he doesn't he doesn't escalate it the bad guy has to do it so the good guys the good guy basically has free reign to do whatever he has to do to end the fight at that point because the bad guy's a cheating bastard (laughs) It's a it's it's structured very similarly to like a wrestling match or something, and I kind of love it. And it needs to be said, like Vernon Wells, like we've kind of said both positive and negative things about him. Like he really sells the fuck out of this, like this this bizarre relationship that these two characters have. But mm-hmm. um, I love the the image of the steam coming out of his chest because the camera pulls back and we see like at the end of the the tube that just got thrown into his torso. There's jets of steam coming out of it and we end with that that classic one-liner let off some steam bennett i didn't think i didn't i didn't think that we would get it in this in this episode but did you know if you kill a man in the dead of winter steam will rise out of the wound (laughs) Kyle, do you want to inform the folks at home where that line comes yeah we've managed to get a wayne's world quote into the the majority of our uh, episodes and uh that is a a nice uh al bundy uh, quote mm-hmm. from that movie native americans yeah. thought it was his soul trying to escape <laughs> <laughs> i need to rewatch that yeah i my my girlfriend hasn't seen that so oh. she's seen she's seen tommy boy she's seen hot shots part two yeah but she still hasn't she, gets- she hasn't gotten to wayne's world yet oh she's she's living her best life she hasn't even gotten to wayne's world yet yeah, I know. It's like she only half knows me. <laughs> it's like half of the shit that comes out of my mouth. You don't even understand why it's funny. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, we have our typical action movie ending, although it doesn't have the classic uh, Joel Silver uh, helicopter shot where we like Lethal Weapon 2, where we pull back from the action and credits. Mm. Um Basically, the cavalry arrives on the beach, much like the end of like Jurassic Park three or something. Um, and uh, Arnold takes his daughter onto the plane, and we uh, get a moment here that I think Nick you had alluded to um, regarding a possible shot across the bow uh, to another franchise here, <laughs> or or did I already uh, blow that particular wad when I mentioned the M sixty? No, I think so. I think the the kill count... I remember reading about this before, where the kill count was specifically targeted, where they were trying to be, like, the movie... You know, Arnold was trying to be like, I have the most kill counts in my movie. That's what I took it as. Yeah, no, I I totally got that, where it's like, this is in response to Rambo. We're going to do the same thing, but bigger and dumber. Uh, (laughs) Sly responded to that. Sly responded to that, because if he's supposed to represent... Uh, the whole of the United States uh, veterans that fought in Vietnam, he his kill count is on that level of what we did in Vietnam because he has killed so many people from Southeast Asia in his movies. It's insane how many people he's killed. Have he, if, if somebody's got the total count on all the Rambo movies, it's got to be in the thousands. Oh, yeah. It, it's a country. <laughs> it's the equivalent of a country. Like... Um, yeah, so the, if he if they're like uh, Arnold's sh- like they're shooting shots at you, dude. They're saying like you didn't kill that many people. So just wait. 
He's like, I'm going to do some work. Because he is ripping people to pieces in that Rambo 2007, 2008, whenever it came out. Ooh. Yeah, no, it, people are rendered unto chunky, chunky salsa in yeah. that film. Have you seen that, um, Nick? I have not. And like you guys keep talking about it, I'm like, do I need to watch this? Is this good or what is this? It's I I think it's actually kind of good. It's it's not bad. It's it's shocking how violent. It might be one of the most violent movies I've ever seen. Like it's incredible. Really? Yeah. Yeah, no joke. It it has it has some stuff in there that some of it is like blink or you miss it, but if you notice it, it's like whoa, whoa, yeah, I, I've never seen that before. Uh, wow. It's not. I think the most. Vo- I think the most violent film I've ever seen because of all the practical effects and just how insane it is. It's probably Predator Two because it's it's ins- <laughs> Predator Two is an insane movie if you think about it. Like it's not suitable. It's, it's not. It's not a rated R film. That's it. Should be a hard NC seventeen. Like. I, I would say the NC-17 is not for gore, but <laughs> yeah, it's probably well-earned. There's full penetration in that movie. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> that wasn't even talking about. <laughs> like, you see it as a child. It's like, you have seen a porno. <laughs> like, believe it or not, this is porn. Did we figure out how old you were? Because I was like seven or eight when we watched that. So you had to have been five or six. Like, maybe I was yes. eight or nine. But... <laughs> Let's <laughs> just leave it at that. Yes, man, we Solid should have been supervised. Minus three years—that's what I was. <laughs> uh, but anyway, our movie does conclude with uh, our general saying, "Hey, John, you want to come back so you can professionally kill people again?" Fuck like, you, no. asshole! Yeah, <laughs> fuck you, asshole! <laughs> um, and Ray Don Chong actually pulls the plane up onto the beach, and uh, she she's happy to see him. He's happy to see her. That's the end of that. We don't know where that went, if anywhere. I like um, to think that they. I, I like to think that they ended up together. I think no. that. I mean, the exchange I, on the phone kind of pointed to her not doing so hot with whoever that was on the other end, like her her guy friend. But you know, so she sounded like she was maybe available. This dude is too buff, too interesting, and too good of a dad to walk away from. Come on. Honestly, yeah. I mean, I would like to think they ended up together. Um, but actually, we do get um, a couple of lines of dialogue here um, teasing a sequel and then immediately denying it, which yeah. is kind of funny. Where it's like the general's like, come on. He's like, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> no chance. <laughs> no, Sylvester, you stop at one. one. Yeah, I, I actually kind of thought that maybe that was a little bit of a reference to Rambo, where it's like, oh, you're coming. Yeah, you're doing it again. It's like, do other shit. <laughs> do other shit. Get back in the ring. Yeah. <laughs> now do five more of those Mr. movies. T. That's a good idea. <laughs> yeah, Arnold just laughs just all the way back to the bank. But um, yeah, they pile into the plane. Closing shot is the seaplane taking off. And then we get a lovely theme song, which, God, I miss this in movies. Every movie needs a fucking theme song. Uh, this is called uh, We Fight for Love by Power Station. Is it written and- for the movie? I don't know if it was written for the movie, but I want to say potentially because the uh, it probably was. It's like an electric rhythm guitar, or bass guitar. That's like uh, the bass line on this song. They knew it was, they knew it was going to be played with a beefy person on mm. screen. So it's like burp, 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 burp. <laughs> it's like the guitar's burping at you. <laughs> well, you know, we we miss it, but you know, they did try to do that where they wrote the mo- like wrote the song for the movie like with Eminem for Venom and we're like uh let's not do that anymore please uh let's stop that 
Um, Ooh, I've never heard that whole song. Oh. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, I've watched enough of the credits of Venom to have heard the, at least the chorus, and it's like, whoa. It's a cringe that'll give you goosebumps. It's hard to accomplish. Like, the song is going just fine, and then he says, Venom, Venom, and like, oh, God, you can't turn it off fast enough, man. It's 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 pretty bad. Yeah, even so, I still appreciate that it's there. Yeah. Like, it's just something that I miss about a bygone era of film, where it's like, it's like a required element to make a film it's like you need to have a self-titled theme song this one doesn't have a self-titled one but at least it has a clear theme song that plays over the end credits fletch doesn't have a self-titled uh theme song for the credits but it is based on the movie a little bit they, they steal a line bit by bit it's definitely a line from the movie and it's definitely in the song i'll allow it in the in the words of the immortal mills lane i'll allow it i'll allow it <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that was Commando from 1985, directed by uh, Mark L. Lester. Um, any closing thoughts, fellas? Um, no. This was, uh, this was a lot of fun. Uh, this is fun to talk about. I, I think yeah, so, this, yeah. This was a wonderful episode. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, thank you so much for joining us, Nick. Uh, it's always great yeah. to have you. And like like yeah. I said, I'm, I'm really hyped to have you back for... Um, Mortal Kombat 2021 whenever that decides to come out because I, I know it did get delayed uh, just a little bit but um, yeah uh, this was our second episode of Action April and uh, next week we'll be tackling another uh, action superstar uh, so stay tuned for that but in the meantime if you would like to catch up on any of our other catching up on cinema content uh, you can find all of that collected on our website at catchinguponcinema.com uh, we also have a couple of social media accounts in the form of an Instagram at Catching Up on Cinema, as well as a Twitter at Catching Cinema. So feel free to hit me up at either of those, and hopefully I'll be able to get back to you in a jiffy. Uh, and the podcast is available on pretty much any platform you can imagine. So fucking Google it. Uh, but that being said, uh, thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you next time. Yeah.